time of the week again. Prepare yourself for the surveyors of saws, the sultans of spaghetti, the whispers in your ears. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the What's Your Spaghetti Policy Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Alex and Jacob. Given you guys the idea yeah. for the spaghetti podcast or, or reinforced the idea of the spaghetti podcast. Yeah. I mean, it was, of, it was one of it was one like I was just like I asked you and you were like, well, first of all, anybody that uses Always Sunny reference as a podcast name, like how automatically has my I'm interest. in. I'm in. <laughs> and it's yeah. like people, people who know, know. And it's the and whole it's, if you know, you know me. If you, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> if you know, you know. And it's just a, it's a great it's a great icebreaker. And everyone's like, oh, shit, I get that reference. I understand that completely. <laughs> I should have been like, so are you are you inviting me onto a, a spa, a spa podcast? I feel like you're not finishing that word. Like it's like a, spa, a spa. Yeah. Or you or you just you come on here like thinking that okay, well, I brought my here's my recipe for my own family's right. spaghetti sauce. This has been my family for for eight <laughs> generations. And then uh, and then you're like, oh no, we actually don't care. No, yeah, yeah, no, it's <laughs> actually the opposite of why we wanted you on the podcast. So I don't it's know a, why you brought this. It's a bit of a bit because like a lot of times I'll see like these random like you know 150,000 like like tweets on Twitter that involve spaghetti or noodles or something and I'm always like all right yeah like let's go so it's sort of like our shtick to like always commentate or like add sort of, sort of some sort of comment on something that is spaghetti related even though like it's not yeah our podcast about. has nothing to do about spaghetti <laughs> I mean, we, we often talk about food but i i don't want i don't use the word destiny lightly but i do feel like it is your destiny <laughs> to do the spaghetti podcast in but addition if, to the spaghetti policy yes but what if we're not italian i don't know i feel like we have to get a third co-host they have to be italian so they can yeah. keep us in check like you could you could put a disclaimer on there like look <laughs> we just really love spaghetti um <laughs> And that's that's it. That's the disclaimer. You know. I mean, I do love spaghetti, but I'm very particular about my sauce and what spaghettis I eat. I don't like a chunky sauce. You're passionate about it, you know, and <laughs> I respect that. I actually like. You know what I hate is when you go to a restaurant, and especially in the menu. Menu me, pictures of menu items are always deceiving. First of all, it's fake. I've seen a real cheeseburger McDonald's. You're not fooling me anymore with these. <laughs> but like, you go to an Italian or any place. And they show the spaghetti and it just looks like a mountain of sauce. And then you get it and it's like so thin. Yeah. And it's, it's all kind of like run down yeah. and watery. And I'm like, man, this is not. One of the best I... Italian places in town no, that we stop. have here. No, he's lying. Uh, I will say that's one of my complaints about their sauces. Their sauce is a little bit runny for sure. Like, especially it's... on the day. I don't know if they make it from, from scratch or whatever, they, but. They make it from a can. Other than that, the, uh, the place is phenomenal. Okay, so there's this great place. It's, like, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a ru- it's a running thing. Like, he likes this place. It's a local joint. It's called Gondolier. And it is free advertising, baby. Flat out, welcome to it's flat out trash. It's so bad. Like I, I, I don't like it. <laughs> it's, it's like, listen, 
you, you go to Fazoli's with the understanding that like you know it's Fazoli's like you can it's, like it like it's fine but, it's like, the Taco Bell of spaghetti and it's right <laughs> right you know, like, but it's very yeah. much so yes and I love Taco Bell by the way but if I want same. Mexican I'm not going to Taco Bell uh, that's, what I'm saying. When, that's what I'm saying we love Taco Bell so yeah like, I love it not, like I love it so but this place is like a step above Fazoli's but it has the price of like Olive Garden no, it's a oh. good price. It's good, decent prices. Okay, it does get a little bit pricey, but <laughs> it depends. All right. The thing about Jacob is that, like, if you bring any a, the slightest resistance to anything that he says, he just folds. I mean, I, I, I'm like a good cheese, right? No, what do you fold? Uh, a biscuit. I'm, I like good uh, fold like a biscuit. I don't know. Well, like a crumbly, buttery biscuit. Yeah, you got to fold Popeyes. a lot of times to get the layer. Yeah, I've never had Popeyes. I've heard such great things. I see ads yeah. for Popeyes, which I think is just cruel because there's no Popeyes within like 30 miles of where I live. Because you're in Ohio, correct? I'm in Ohio, so there's we not probably much within 30 miles. I guess I think. Yeah. And yeah. do you all have Cracker Barrel up there? Is it Bob? Oh yeah, dude. Oh, hell like, yeah. Hell I just want to go to Cracker Barrel one day and just sit out on one of those rockers and play some checkers with any old man who sits down next to me. <laughs> that's, oh, man, that's, that's a, a good way to kill us. I'm serious. I like Cracker Barrel a lot, honestly. Uh, but I've never played yeah, checkers yeah. with anyone other than like, I, I always play, what is it called? You have the triangle with pegs at your oh, table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I don't even know what that game is called. But I don't know what it's yeah, called. You can't not play if you go to Cracker Barrels. They're just so with the golf, golf tees. tees. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the golf key, the tees. And I, I've actually gotten down to one, but like Picks or Divics and it didn't happen and I don't have Picks or Divics, so but it did happen. I'm telling you, I, <laughs> I believe you. I hundred percent believe you. All right. Yeah, I, I, I I don't think I've gotten down to one personally, but I've definitely gotten to at least three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's always I don't know the spread. I don't understand the spread and how you're supposed to do it. So it I, feels I really like, like it feels like a, a country version of like the Rubik's Cube where like there's a pattern. <laughs> You know yes, I mean? there absolutely is. And there's like a breakdown video, I'm sure, on YouTube yeah, about it. They're but... supposed to have like one spot that is like the guaranteed <laughs> yeah. idiot can solve this. But that's actually my issue with that game. Like it's a love-hate relationship that I have with it. Because if, you know, you look on it, it's like, oh, if you get one, you're a genius. If you get two, you're dumb as shit. And I'm like, there's no middle ground. No in between. Here. Yeah, it's like they play, they don't they don't play it nice. OK, they're just like no. you're either really smart or you're dumb as like a bag of rocks. And yeah. I don't know. I'm so, I, I swore. I'm sorry. If I, oh, no, right. no, no. You're good. Go I was right actually ahead. talking to Alex beforehand. I was like, what if he's like super against swearing? We just come here like, yo, fuck you. Yeah, let's go. Like, we're just <laughs> he was like you. Bombs. And I, you know, I that's we were going to get along because we're all spaghetti brothers now. Yes, <laughs> right. We're, we're brothers in spaghetti. The brothers in sauce. Brothers maybe? in spaghetti. I didn't want to come in here and be a wet noodle. You know yeah, that's I mean? right. Absolutely. Well, so, he yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. he was like, can we swear? I'm like, Jacob, it's our podcast. Like, I mean, he's like, I know. Do whatever you want. I have to keep up with you. So yeah, yeah. well, yeah. it's not hard. Trust me, <laughs> it's not <laughs> not by any means. Uh, but I mean, not to bury the lead, um, it is very rare, and Jacob can attest to this. Uh, when Jacob and I first met he did not realize that first of all, someone could like Mortal Kombat as much as I do. And that <laughs> someone, and that the universe itself was so like expansive and like large and like all of these stories and all this stuff. He just thought it was like most people and that it was a violent video game. Yeah. And so yeah. it's not very often that I get to talk to somebody who likely knows more than I do. I mean, I would say you do since you've written a book, which we will. Talk I hope about. so. At this point, like, it's going to look pretty <laughs> damn bad. That'd be like me coming on here and knowing more about spaghetti than you two, which I don't. So, like, I'm just trying to, like I said, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to hang. You, know, so. <laughs> you might know more than spaghetti because, like, you know, some, some would, some would 
crucify me on my spaghetti takes because of how I make my sauce. And oh. yeah, yeah, I'm sure. As I would, long as it's not watery, you make it. The it's right not way. watery. I mean, he's not but... blanching the tomatoes. He's not out here. Like, <laughs> There's no chunks of tomatoes. Vine. My special ingredient is mustard. So like, oh, I mean, dude, I, don't I, give I'm it away. Right Gosh, I think give it all away. Just yeah, say. that's your grandmother's <laughs> recipe from. Jeez Louise. You know. dude. Well, she's dead. So, well. <laughs> all right. Well, RIP. All right. Sincere oh, RIP. man. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, not like, let's start with your origin stories. Or also, your did we story. announce who we were talking to? Like, it's oh, yeah. democratic. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess we should it's... announce your name. Like, we're so bad God, at introductions, we, we man. We're so terrible. So many times, and we're still like, we're just hanging out here. You know, that's exactly what it is. And so, yeah, like, absolutely. like, we had Jed McKay on, like, we've had him on twice and it was the same thing. Like when we first had him on the first time, like, I think I went 10 minutes without like saying, Oh, hey, by the way, this is Jen McKay, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, we kind of just try to ease into the conversation and like, kind of just make it a natural thing. And like, even in real life, like, I don't know how to introduce people it's just cause it's you just know like, how, Hey, like when you go to someone's house and they're, they're going to act one of two ways, they're going to get you everything. They're going to help you take your shoes off of the door. They're going to show you to a seat. They're going to get you a glass of water. It's like you're at a restaurant. Right. But then there's people who's like Come kitchens in there. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's me. Yeah. That's all right. That's I'm all right. the friend that shows up and I like already go to the kitchen to go ahead and pour myself a glass of milk, knowing that like I didn't even <laughs> You're ask. that friend on the sitcom then. Oh yeah, absolutely. I just I'll, I know I'll greet you at the door, but then I'm like figure it out yourself. Like let's right. you know, we're gonna go upstairs and hang out. <laughs> Where's the bathroom? I don't know. Yeah, figure it out. It's, like, it's one I haven't of these seen doors. It. Yeah, it's around here. It's in the house. <laughs> I don't know. I've been looking for ages. I don't know where the thing is. <laughs> Let me know if you find it. So David, where let's 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 go back. Let's go back to the beginning. All right. Your your origin story. I was born on oh, how far back did you as far as you want? I okay. Mean, you can go back to your, uh, your grandparents. It's fine. March 23rd, 1982. <laughs> uh, okay. The world changed for me, certainly. And um uh then 10 years after that, I discovered Mortal Kombat. And that is literally what brings me here. Today, Absolutely. Other than Zoom and yeah, and, and and the rotation of the earth and everything else. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so where what's your first memory of Mortal Kombat? Because you're the a first, little bit older than me. So I yeah, I was 10 when it came out. Um, so I was just on the cusp of of being able to appreciate arcades when right. my parents would give me money to play it. Um my parents divorced when I was five, which is a good thing because, you know, more more presents at yes. Christmas and they yeah. just kind of despised each other. So it's it honestly better, I think, that if parents go ahead and get divorced, if like there's if there's not any love in the marriage, because a lot of the times I listen to a lot of like serial killer podcasts. It's like it always ends up they either like do one of two things where they just spend their entire lives hating each other and like, yeah. you know, doing little things to get back at each other or they end up killing one another. And that's never right. good. So just like either way, you're is, corrupting the kids. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, it's good, yeah. you know, whenever somebody... I also you know, come from a broken home, Jacob, over here. His parents are still I still feel married. bad about it, okay? I'm sorry. My parents <laughs> loved each other. I'm so sorry, okay? My parents did not, so, but it's fine. <sighs> but anyway, I apologize for interrupting. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. You're, no, no, you're... no, no, no. Totally cool. We're all broken, and it's, that's why we're bonding. That broken spaghetti, broken homes. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Mortal do you break, hey, do you break your spaghetti when you make it? Absolutely, dude. That's one of the best parts. It's so satisfying. That's an like ASMR shit for that. Right but at the same time, like, yeah, I understand it completely because you break hey, we it. Don't, ass, we don't kink fine. shame when it okay. comes to spaghetti here. No, you do what man. you want with you. It's your spaghetti. Like, as You're long as you it. have a safe word at the stove, it's all. Yeah. And disclaimer: we are not Italians, so 
Oh my gosh, no. they're they're losing it. Right we can do it. No, we <laughs> just we just love spaghetti, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I was ten, and because my parents divorced, this one of the ways it worked out was, you know, I had a local arcade near my mom's place and a local arcade near my dad's place, and there was some overlap, but they each had some unique games. And uh, the first time I saw Mortal Kombat was at uh, my dad's, you know, the arcade near my dad's place. Um, but I couldn't even really see it at first because there, there was just this throng of people just packed around this cabinet. And, you know, it was popular because the operator, the arcade operator had mounted a TV above the yes. cabinet monitor. So it's like it felt like you were at a boxing match or a wrestling show where you're like, yeah, I'm watching the Tron because I can't even see. I'm in the you nosebleed can't, seats. You can't, can't even see, see the rock in Austin right now. Right now. Yeah. Um, and I look up and my dad comes to get me. We both look up just as like the screen goes dark and Kano rips Sub-Zero's heart out. Yeah. My dad's like, all right, we're out because. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because uh, he was a, a music minister at a church. So oh, this okay. is kind of a hard oh, yeah. sell. hundred um, percent. But I was like, OK, forbidden fruit. I really want that fruit. I had exactly. it. So it was at my mom's local arcade. So as soon as I went home, I'm like, all right, can I please have 50 cents? Because I too want to rip out some hearts. And, uh, but really that's like the eye popping thing, right? Like if you go back to 1992, most games, like I loved Street Fighter 2 at the time. It had only been out like a year, year and a half. But um, that game looked like, I mean, literally a cartoon because of the anime influence. Mm -hmm. Mortal Kombat looked like I was watching a rated R movie, which Mm -hmm. just kind of, uh amplified the forbidden fruit feeling but i just i loved the characters i think that's something a lot of mortal kombat fans like i've I've, i interviewed a lot of fans for this book along with mortal kombat and you know what's interesting is like street fighter fans no one's like i can't wait to see what happens to ryu next because it's like he's just just wandering the world still picking fights trying to find someone who's going to beat him that's his whole thing and it Mm -hmm. hasn't changed but even if you watch the attract mode attract mode for these games it's like street fighter 2 here's ken's blood type like wow fascinating but in mortal kombat <laughs> see his blood type yeah yeah like in mortal kombat it's like oh you know sonya's after kano and kano's this mercenary and scorpion and sub-zero hate each other and it was like i was i was into the characters and mm-hmm. that's why i interviewed a lot of these fans there's some people out there who you know like i was saying street fighter fans they've generally just really like the gameplay Sure. Um, and it's, you know, it was a competitive game long before Mortal Kombat was. So that was Capcom's focus too. But Mortal Kombat, you might like the gameplay, you might like the lore, you might like both. Like there's a lot of um, points of ingress into Mortal Kombat, which is something that I found fascinating about it right away. And the violence. Let's and not. the violence. And the yes. violence. It's just yeah, so like... over the top. That's the one thing. That's the one thing I can comment on. It's like the yeah. over the topness of Mortal Kombat has been. Like I, I guess it's the greatest thing about it because it's like a, a through line through every single game. They never backed down. They never said, oh, they're going to give us this rating. So obviously we're going to have to dumb it down. Like it was just like violence is here to stay. We're going to go with the violence the entire time. It's just part of our shtick. That's what we're about. So it, in fact, they kind of, you know, John Tobias and Ed Boone kind of flipped the bird at, at the the, uh, the parents and the politicians who were losing their minds by like friendships and babalities were like, is this yep. better? Is this what you want? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it was that. And uh-huh. then it just got like more ridiculous with like animalities and, and stuff and brutalities. Like I'm going to punch you so hard. You're just oh going to explode God. into 30 rib cages. Br- the you know? first <laughs> time I saw a brutality, I lost yeah. my mind. Cause I'm like, it's hilarious. What? Like it, it, and that's the thing that obviously as an adult we realize that like this is yes it's violent but it's so over the top that it's not something that 
I, I mean, even at a young age, I never took it seriously. It's not like, no, you know, no, I, I, it was always meant to, in my mind, it was, or the way I always perceived it, it was always kind of just meant to be over the top. And, and even in the universe itself, it is inherently silly because you've got, you know, cyborgs and vampires and, and sorcerers and, and tiger All those things are real though. All tiger, are tiger men with play. four arms yeah. and, and yeah. sorcerers and undead it's, you know, ninjas and all yeah. this. And, and that's something I get into in long live mortal combat as well. So, so this is the, it's long live mortal combat round one, meaning it's, yes. you know, book one uh, going to be a trilogy. And this book delves into the arcade era. So the book one is divided into four sections, one for each of the arcade games. And all four sections kind of generally have the same flow where like I take you first, I take you behind the scenes, you learn how this game was made and what that was like. And then I take you into arcades and interview a lot of pro players and fans to kind of kind of get a boots on the ground perspective. I've written like, you know, I've published over two dozen books at this point, and most of them are just like, here's how the game was made. And then we put it out and it's the next game. You stay inside the chocolate factory. This is... Right. Like, let's go and let's actually see what happens when Mortal Kombat hits arcades, hits shelves, and how does it change lives? So from there, from the arcade, I often talk about, like, the console versions. Like, I, I talk to higher-ups and claim to go deeper into the Mortal Monday $10 million campaign story than anyone has before. Um, and then I talk about how it's affected people on a personal level. Because growing up, I heard the same thing. You know, it was all over the news with very grim-faced, serious anchors like Mortal mm. Kombat is is disturbing children and ruining families. And God, yeah, and Man. I just I heard so much about that, but I never saw it. And I, I get into that too. I talked to a psychologist. Um, I interviewed a lot of people, and there is no science that violent video games beget violent behavior or even aggressive behavior there we go. can we really... isolate that audio and just play it on repeat because like that's <laughs> I, I, wish. I love that like we we really could and it's still so th this is the thing it has all it has become especially these days uh is a political talking point when yeah. something is going on namely gun violence instead of talking about um gun safety gun violence mental health they're like but those video games, though, and everyone's yeah, like, "All oh, right, the it's video games, yeah, it's, it's shit." A, it's and a like, scapegoat. Yeah, something about the video. Yeah, and um, I dig into that. I, I talked to um, I'm really proud of this book. Like each book I write is like my new favorite book, right? Because I sure. want each one Reason to be the best. <laughs> yeah, at least yeah, that's like that's the that's the goal, right? But um, with this one, I I you know I talked to a guy who Mortal Kombat. When his dad would come home drunk and hit his mom, he was too small to help her. So he would, the, all he could really do, all that was in his control was to climb out the window and go to this all night convenience store where there was mm. a Mortal Kombat 2 cabinet and just kind of watch it because he didn't have any money. And eventually the clerk working the graveyard chef noticed this kid hanging around. He's like, all right, kid, um, I'll tell you what, you sweep the floors, I'll put it on free play for you. And so this was like, I can't do anything about the situation, but at least I have something to take my mind off of it. I talked right. to- yeah. Another guy um, in Bulgaria who, you know, his arcade uh, was kind of ruled by drug lords, which was pretty common during the 90s in that in that country. And um, uh, he kind of earned their respect by beating him, beating this guy in Mortal Kombat. And they slapped him <laughs> around, but then they were like, all right, kid, show me how you did that. And that, being interested in Mortal Kombat and wanting to write about that and make websites about that kind of led him out of that life and into a career in it so 
one of my goals is to say far from like ruining lives, which is all we heard growing up in the 90s, mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat has had an almost unanimous, unanimously positive effect on people, uh, even online. Um, you know, every community, especially online communities, has some toxicity, but overall, the people in the Mortal Kombat community, like Mortal Kombat Twitter, there's all these subsets of Twitter, but like super positive people sending each other gifts, t-shirts, lifting each other up. And it's just, it just goes to show you that like this, this supposedly violent, file game has helped so many more people than it ever could have hurt and you know the book gets there's some fun topics too like exploring tier lists and how the games work and you know again like i talked to john tobias he wrote a foreword for the book which is really cool that's Um, really cool but i also wanted to be like hey this is you know growing up if you love mortal Kombat, if it was all you could think about talk about with your friends your this book was kind of written for you and i i so far people are really taking to it which is nice i just want to say that i did back the kickstarter (laughs) oh i appreciate that so you got the book that i wanted to make sure you all got the digital book yes i i do have it i i read the first uh the first 25 30 pages or so Mm -hmm. but i am a dad so like finding time to set alone that you've had been able to read that much is impressive yeah right and it's nothing Uh, against you i just can't read that's why i have it (laughs) i just i'm really bad I, mean, I, I have it. I have very bad at reading. I, I don't. I get too distracted. I can't follow what sentence I've read. So, I, you know what? I just found out today that I heard from the audiobook company I signed with that that will be out on December twentieth. Oh, let's go! So remind me, Christmas gift for me to you. I'll make sure you get the audio. Oh, I have. Yeah, let's I mean, go, that's, man. That's I'm gonna cry a little bit. Dude. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, no, audio I think you like audiobooks, especially like it's so much easier for me to like pay attention to what's going on when I'm listening to an audiobook. Like I, I, I could not have gotten through game of Thrones, the, the entire game of Thrones series up until like the two books, he's probably never going to finish. Uh, had it not been for audiobooks. more specifically pirate Bay, but we won't get into that. Okay. We <laughs> no, won't get no, into no, that. No, whole okay. thing. But okay. Roy Detrice, it was a hell of a narrator. Like he did oh, yeah, such gosh. a good job with those books. He's in, like, and that's the thing is like the, the, I think that a, a good voice actor, it definitely helps like or a, narr- a good narrator, like with those books and stuff like that, like the Harry Potter series. I forgot the guy who did them, but he's really popular too. Uh, but oh, man, it's hard to remember because like I've listened to them as well. And like Stephen Fry did the UK Stephen Fry, There we go. Really good. And then I there's think another did, yeah. guy. I don't remember who, but like, so yeah, there are two different narrators, one for the US, one for the UK. And Stephen Fry knocked those books out of the park. God, he's yeah. so good. Yeah. When did you... Not not to interrupt Harry Potter talk. Um, no, no worries. Um, when did you like? When did the wheels start spinning? Did you decided? Oh shit! Like let's do Mortal Kombat. Like let's let's do a deep deep dive on MK. When did I, when did that start? Probably a long time ago. Like I'm I'm not really a nostalgic person, which is usually kind of a surprise for an author in my position writing about these games, but. I reflect on things, but I don't want to like, you know, play it. The past is a nice place to visit. Don't want to live there sort of thing. But I knew early on that, um, you know, I, I write short stories. I write novels. But when I write books about video games, I, I generally want them. I want to write about games that I really like so that I'm invested in all the time it's going to take to do the research and the interviews and transcribing right. and outlining and stuff. So like the first book I, I did was uh, Stay Well and Listen 1 on Blizzard and Diablo. And I mentioned that because even back then I was thinking like, I got to write about Mortal Kombat eventually. But um, 
I knew a couple things. I knew that I, I wasn't quite ready to tackle that story. You never really are, but I was like, I, I got to feel ready to like take the leap, you know? Um, and uh, it's like having a kid. You're never really, ha- you're never yeah, really ready. It's exactly like that. Like you're never really ready, but when it happens, you're like, okay, well, this is happening. So let's do you it. You have to be ready. You have to be ready. You have to just adapt. And that's kind of what I knew. But even as a writer, I was like, I want to like, I'll, I'll know it. And I do kind of know it. I have, um, I've been doing this for 18 years. I do kind of have internal clocks that like, I can only hit snooze so long before my brain is like, it's time, dude, it's time to get this out. Um, <laughs> that we were with the podcast, like or Alex was with the podcast. We were like, we just got to do it. We, you know, but so we, we could relate. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a good feeling because you're, you're creating something, you know, you're putting something out into the world. Um, but really uh, it started to take shape um a few years ago in 2019 okay so pre-pandemic yeah pre-pandemic one of my favorite things as a kid was i really liked ports of arcade games because i specifically i liked getting magazines that had wide coverage like game pro or egm and kind of contrasting different versions because like okay mortal kombat 3 is coming out which system am i going to get it for this is maybe the biggest decision of my life up to this point. <laughs> and i want to get the best one and like mortal kombat 1 was best on genesis because of you know abac abv you gotta have that blood code absolutely but i had a super nintendo so this is like kind of a crisis of faith i was mortal the kombat 2 yeah like mortal kombat 2 my, faith was my dad you had but, my dad was like nintendo's for kids we're gonna have sega in our house all right, all right whatever whatever video games are video games you know absolutely um, but I, I just kind of, I still was interested. I'm like, why do the games look different? Why do they sound different? Why do they play different? Other than obvious differences, like, you know, buttons on the controller. And so I wrote Arcade Perfect, which is specifically about, like, I, I go through each chapter goes through a little bit about the arcade game. And then I talk to the people responsible for porting those games. So in 2019, I did kind of what I always do. I get an idea in my head and I just start reaching out to people. And what I found that like, a lot of times if you ask people for an interview, they're like, no, I don't want to do that. But instead I just say, Hey, I'm writing this book. I'd like to talk to you. When are you free? And I did that with John Tobias. And he was like, Oh, uh, when am I free? And then, so I asked him questions kind of just to set the stage. And then I tracked down one interesting thing about this was like learning that like mortal Kombat Genesis, one guy ordered that. And he had like three months. Like you think like, Oh, it's one of the biggest games in the world. Nope. One guy, super like shoestring budget, make sure it's done on time because we got to sell a lot. And so I talked to, that was what was interesting is actually talking to the developers who did the ports. And when I was done, I emailed John Tobias and said, hey, I want to send you a copy of the book. Would you be interested in writing an endorsement? And he said, sure. And then a couple of years passed and I got the idea for Long Live Mortal Kombat to go beyond, like I wanted to talk about the making of the games, but I wanted to go beyond that and talk about how they affected people. And I emailed John Tobias again. I said, all right, I'm writing a book on Mortal Kombat. Can I interview you again? And um, he was interested in that because he kind of wanted to, he wanted to make sure I wanted to talk to him because there are actually a lot of, because Mortal Kombat is so successful, there are a lot of people who have been involved with it who take credit that is not theirs to take. Correct. And I, I do get into that in Long Live Mortal Kombat. Um, but he kind of wanted to, he wanted me to hear things from him. And he knew that, like, I wasn't signing on to write his story. I was still going to have to verify everything. But he wanted to make sure, since Ed Boon cannot talk because, you know, WB keeps everybody under lock and key, he wanted me uh... to at least hear, yeah, I know. 
you wanted me to hear from him if I couldn't hear from him and Ed Boon. Um, sure. So I That's talked awesome, with, though. Yeah, it's awesome. Like I talked with John Tobias. I talked with Ken Fidesna, who was their boss at Midway. I talked to people from Acclaim. I talked to just tons of developers who worked on Mortal Kombat and ports of the, you know, Mortal Kombat 1, 2, 3, Ultimate 3, Trilogy, and 4 for this book. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Over 60 people, um, hundreds, <laughs> yeah, over 100 hours of interviews just for this book. It's alone. insane. It's good though. I'm really happy that it's like deep and that if you go into it, like, man, they better tell me something new. Like so far, there are a lot of like super popular Mortal Kombat fans online, like Tabmok 99s, this mm-hmm. like lore master, right? Absolutely. I, I interviewed him, but I also let him read an early copy and he was like, I did not know this. And I was like, oh, good. So it's not going to be like completely <laughs> redundant. Like, to yes. this, you know? Yes. 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 Like, like, for example, John Tobias sent me a concept sketch. Originally, Mortal Kombat was going to have seven buttons. Because Street Fighter 2 had six. So yeah, gotta be one better. One more. They were gonna right. have medium punches and kicks in addition to high and low. And then eventually they were like, seven's a little bit much. Uh so they pared it down to, to five, you know, two punches, two kicks, block. But that was interesting. Like no one, you know, that was never really out there before. So it was kind of cool to tell that story. Um, do you get into I mean, it's it's pretty common knowledge at this point, but do you get into the 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 thought process on how it like the step-by-step like you know it's originally started with you know Jean-Claude Van Damme and like then he bounces out and then they're like oh well we still have this same concept so like we're just going to go with it and in a lot of ways it's compared to Enter the Dragon and Bruce Lee and stuff like that and obviously you know Tobias and and Boone are very inspired by you know 70s and 80s like early martial arts stuff so yeah do you get into that I get into that and I set the record straight on a lot of that stuff. That's where a lot of misinformation has been spread, not by them, but by some of the actors who played the characters. But um, yeah. And in fact, even hearing, so it's one of the reasons I talked to Ken Fidesna was I kind of like to get perspective from different vantage points. Like here's what the the two guys who wanted to make it were thinking, but here's what their boss was thinking. And the, the interesting thing was they had this gap between um, I want to say it was something like total, total carnage or something it was it was a game and nba jam they were like we need something on the production line oh you two want to make this fighting game okay sure fine like it was just filler to them right it was never supposed to be anything big um they were still gonna like push it as hard as they could but it was like okay at least we have something on the calendar here and then when van damme his agent just passed because you know who knows why right like either he the video games weren't really a big thing or maybe he didn't have time maybe it just didn't interest him but Midway was still like, well, we still want this game because, you know, we put it in the calendar. So they were like, well, we've got original characters and stuff anyway. And everyone kind of agreed, like, it's a good thing Van Damme didn't get involved because if it was a licensed thing, it might have only been like a one-off and then disappeared. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I I get into that. A blessing in disguise, if you will. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, Jacob. No, no, nothing. There's a gnat flying around my room. So <laughs> you I, I looked like you were going to say something. He was gesturing wildly. He was super excited about it. Yeah, I was just, I'm so stoked, man. This is so such a fun conversation. I so love being a backseat driver. I'm were fine. you, <laughs> as, as someone who was, a, a, again, you were a little older, my first experience with Mortal Kombat is actually Mortal Kombat 2 mm-hmm. um, because that was when I was old enough to go and like be left which is crazy to think about i'm like seven years old or whatever and i can be left alone in an arcade uh for a couple hours in a mall um and that was it like you know mk2 was was my gateway and then then you go back and you you hit up the local mom and pop like store and you go get mortal Kombat at home and stuff like that but like two was the first one for me but 
I didn't really like I I I, I played three, but for mm. some reason, uh, and I can probably tell you why. There was no Scorpion in three. So that was already like, bro, like, cause I love Scorpion. I mean, look at my shirt. And so right. <laughs> like, th- you know, that's the character that I was even, bef- even back then, like that was the character that I gravitated towards because it was just so like, just so metal. Like it was just so yeah. like, you know, he's just the coolest fucking dude. Yeah. And there was no Scorpion in three. So it's just like, eh, you know, but then like ultimate three comes out. And it's like, oh, okay, we've we've reestablished that you know the best guy is here, and then and like that's when they really like kind of flipped the script and went like it, in the best direction, in my opinion, because you get that's when you get the cyborgs, that's when you get you know Motaro, and that's when you get like yeah. now you're fighting in what I've always assumed is the streets of Chicago, but you yeah, know, and so then you yeah. get stri- like Striker and Shiva, and like you just have like all, now you have a bunch of other ninjas, and then it's like, oh, okay now 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 we're doing it and that so three ultimate three was the one that really like like i liked two and yeah. ultimate three was the one where it like got the hooks in me but then i was, I was telling a story a couple of episodes ago to where like like nostalgia is a hell of a thing and like when i moved away to college i almost got like i basically everything i didn't take with me i mm-hmm. sold sold away mm-hmm. and so and one of those things was my mortal Kombat trilogy strategy guide Oh, and I had I had comment because I saw that you were accumulating all the uh, all the guides for all the <laughs> yeah. games, and I'm super yeah. jealous. But trilogy is the one that I actually want the most because I have such fond memories of that of like set standing at the bus stop waiting to go to school, and yeah. I've got this strategy guide, and the art is just unbelievable, and it just takes me back to <laughs> like '98 or whatever that was. You know, just standing there waiting. 15 20 minutes for the bus to show up and just like memorizing moves and just like can't wait till I get home. Uh but that strategy got is very hard to find and it's very expensive. And it, it, yeah, uh, it, it is. Me. I had uh so they're behind me right now. I think growing up, I still have the one from when I grew up. I think it was I think Prima put it out. That's the one I had. That's what you had. Okay. So then there were other ones. Uh there's another one I ordered from like Game Fan magazine. Yeah. You go on eBay and I'm like, oh, they made a strategy guide. Like I, I mentioned on Twitter the other day, like, man, I wonder if just strategy guide publishing was really healthy because there are all these, all these Mortal Kombat 3 guides. And someone pointed out, like, maybe, or it's just like because of two, MK3 was so anticipated that like everybody wanted to write a guide for this game. Yeah, they wanted to get in on that train. Yeah. I remember going into like software, etc. back in the day, and like they had entire walls of strategy guides. Yeah, it's just like, oh man, could you imagine? I uh, so that's the thing. I know that like there are a lot of people who, like they collect like action figures, me stuff like that. <laughs> you so <laughs> that's not my thing. Although like Diamond Select Toys sent me a Sub Zero one of their Sub Zero statues, and I bought yeah. the katana, their katana one. She's my favorite yeah. character. Yeah, um, okay. But I love books, obviously, and I love strategy guides. I've collected them since I was a kid because, like you, like. I would take those to school and I was, I was memorizing moves and stuff, but I was also just like, this feels like a little world between Mm -hmm. two covers with all the art and just the layout. Like I was just really, really impressed with it. And uh, so that's, that's kind of why I'm tracking down the guides, not just because it's Mortal Kombat. Although there was something you always felt like you were a member of an exclusive. (laughs) uh, That reminds me of a story. You just felt like you were an exclusive part of an exclusive club because everyone, at least at my school, Club wanted fatalities wanted yeah like because they were secret right like that's why uh you know boone and tobias didn't tell anybody 
anything no special moves no fatalities i even the guys at the claim were like they didn't tell us about fatalities we found those by accident and i'm like shit we got to find that out so we know everything about this game so how do you tell find them. that out by accident though like because I, I imagine like after i kill somebody i'm just like i stand there you know feel different in the 90s man i just you like, know I imagine i like sitting there raging on the the, 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 the keypad and i'm like oh they do something and it's like oh okay that's pretty well, much it yeah, that was that's, like, so, that's so great. That's so cool, though. It's I love products, in games. Like, yeah, like there. That's what QA. Like, I've I've worked. I'm writing a game right now. It's something I'm gonna I've bring that off, up. Yeah, I've done that off and on for a number of years as contractor. But I've also been like most of the time I work remote. But I've been embedded and like QA. All they do, like part of the one of the one of their checklists is just like let's just go through and try different button combinations and like that's what the acclaim guys were doing. And also one of the one of the early chapters, I follow this particular group of arcade rats, as they proudly called themselves, where they would go and just pour like one dude dropped out of college. He was like, I just want to play Mortal Kombat. So he just that's, got a that's, job. That's an intense dedication. That's <laughs> all it was. And like he just poured like his paychecks were just like rent, food, Mortal Kombat. That was yes, it. This was up. Yeah, <laughs> man. He was like, oh, and that, like they would just experiment, but they would go to from arcade to arcade just to challenge people because that was that that was the competitive scene back then, right? Um, but no, it was interesting because Mortal Kombat two and three, like Mortal Kombat two, is really when the franchise became a franchise. Before right. it was just like, oh, that 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 game was really good. Two just blew up. That's when they were starting to merchandise it. There yep. was a movie in development. Um, so that was a lot of people comics by point. Malibu. Yeah, the Malibu comics. Um, and then three. So I actually I talked to John Tobias. I'm like, man, holding back Scorpion and Katana, especially big risk. And I, I talked to a lot of people who are like, oh, no, Scorpion, fuck this game. I'm out. You know, <laughs> <clears throat> And he was like, well, here's so here's the thing. Here's what was going on inside Midway. Midway was, <clears throat> you know, like we have the PC master race today. Yes. Back then, yes. yeah. it was the arcade, arcade master, master race. race. They were like, oh, fuck those home consoles. Like, what are they going to do? But Midway was kind of seeing the writing on the wall. They were like, okay, Mortal Kombat went from a filler game to our biggest game. Why are we letting the claim take this big slice of the pie when we could do the conversions ourselves? So they buy Trade West of Battletoads and Double Dragon fame, rename them Williams, and they're like, okay, so here's the deal. 1995, we're going to have the movie we got Mortal Kombat 3 in the spring. We're going to bring Mortal Kombat 3 at home in October. Fastest arcade to home transition ever. But arcade operators aren't going to be happy about this because they're threatened by consoles too. So we're going to hold back certain characters and we're going to release an upgrade exclusive to arcades at first. And that way you'll buy Mortal Kombat 3 for your home system, but you'll still go to the arcades because there's all these new characters and stages and fatalities. So that was like... And John Tobias even said, like, that was a calculated risk, but we didn't want to hold back, like, oh, we're holding back Baraka, right? Like, Baraka's cool, but sure. he's not Scorpion or Sub-Zero. Absolutely. He's not the poster boy of the franchise. You gotta, like, you gotta go big or go home, and that's what they were thinking about. And he's never missed a game since. But exactly. also, <laughs> and back then, there was no, there was no such thing as DLC. They were, you know, expansions, re-releases, and all that stuff. Hey, so. You know what? That's 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 a good point. And the other thing that's kind of what fascinated me about Mortal Kombat compared to Street Fighter. And I, I'm very much in the why not both camp. I enjoyed both franchises, but like for the longest time, Street Fighter was just Street Fighter Two. Like, yep. come on, Capcom, how many times are you going to upgrade this one game? But Mortal Kombat, while while Street Fighter was on like its fourth iteration, 
Mortal Kombat was on two and then three, and they were actually dropping characters. And that was like, that kind of blew my mind. That just yeah. kind of built the story because it's like, oh, your favorite, they're not here, but why aren't they? And then you play Mortal Kombat two and you go into Shao Kahn's arena. And if you go far enough in one direction, you see that Sonya and Kano are a prisoner. And you're like, oh, what's that was a cool little piece of environmental mm-hmm. storytelling that could only be done through gameplay because they didn't have cinematics and stuff back then. So that just got your brain going. You're like, oh, what's who's captured them? How did they get captured? What's going on? And they weren't in, you know, they weren't playable in Mortal Kombat 2. And that was like, man, I know Ken and Ryu are always going to be there, but like, who's going to be in the next game? And I also like that they look different too. You could see Mortal Kombat evolving while Street Fighter was iterating. And it obviously like outperformed everything else. So they were doing something right. But Midway was like, we're not just going to follow in their footsteps. We're going to do our own thing. In fact, that's one thing, like, as much as I liked three, I feel like Ultimate was the peak. A trilogy was really fun, too. I love trilogy. But it's also like they put out like three versions of MK3 in two years. And that's kind of where they started to feel even Tobias and Boone were like, we're kind of getting sick of making these games. Like there's some franchise fatigue setting in. Right. Because yeah. when you when you strike gold, well, you got to keep digging for more gold, whether Absolutely. you're tired or not. And that's um, that's the interesting thing, like Mortal Kombat 4 uh boone and tobias they were like getting along but it was like years of like occasionally kind of being at each other because you know they're they're practically living at work you're gonna butt heads mm-hmm. sometimes they were like i'm gonna do my thing you do your thing so boone was heading up mortal kombat 4 tobias was working on mortal kombat mythologies but also still like writing the, the lore for four collaborating with boone but after four then shortly after that tobias leaves and even boone was like i need a break from mortal kombat and four which i love I like were, four. I, yeah, I thought it was really, really fun. Like, I liked the really the more flexible combo system rather than having to memorize the ones in three. You know, yes. it was like phone numbers back then. You don't know the phone number, you're not calling your buddy. Four. But, uh, that was I the think, one thing I could never do is remember the combos. Yeah, <laughs> I was they were so like, intricate. Four was oh, such man. a to me at that age was such a drastic change to where people don't like change, right? And so, like right. at first. It's like the redheaded stepchild where it's like, oh, you know, like, I don't really, it's 3D now. Like, I don't, you know, but like, time has been very good to that. In my opinion, I think it's, I think it's aged like a, like fine wine. Like I've, I've got it on GOG and, uh, because I don't have a, rig- a PlayStation anymore. Um, like a rig- I love the PC version of that game. I was yeah. PC and N64 back in the day. Yeah, for that game. yeah. and yeah. so that I it, it it's aged very very well, and I think that's it's up there. It's it's way better now than it used to be. Because like I, I've played it, and I was like, oh, okay. Because that, okay, yeah. Like in, as much as I love the 2D era, mm-hmm. those are the games I'm the worst at. Yeah, yeah. Because of the to me the way they are designed, they are designed you know, to keep putting quarters in and stuff like that. And, yeah. very, and that, that like spike in difficulty, like three, four towers, like three, four levels into the tower. And it's just like, okay. And as time has gone on, like as each iteration goes, I've gotten better and better and better and better. Also, like I'm older, I've played more video games, stuff like that. But I also think that like the most recent three from a gameplay standpoint, again, my, my opinion are mm. the best. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're, they're nuanced enough, but they're also approachable enough for someone like Jacob to play. And Jacob and I can both play, even though I'm likely always going to whip his ass because he's not very good at it. But that's okay. Like once or twice. So which I, which I mean, fine. I'm pretty good. Oh, like, your wins, man. Own that. Own but like <laughs> there, there were times like, you know, when when nine came out, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. And I'll, I'll go. We'll yeah. go back to that. But like when nine came out, I was just unbelievably good with Scorpion and Kano to where like mm-hmm. if I'm playing with friends, 
Like I can't play with those because like, you don't want to get your ass whipped all the time. Like that's not fun. Yeah. Yeah, so like I'm having play anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so like I'm in this weird this is not like me like putting myself over but like I'm in this weird thing to like I can play online with people but there's like some really good people online but like I can't really play with any of my friends because I'm I am much better than they are <laughs> because it's also I, like with Scorpion like his move set is practically the same for you know yeah. three you know especially the most recent three games. And even when he was in Injustice it was like oh it's the same thing. Like I like I can still do the same combos and you know. Right. So yeah, no, it, I had the same thing growing up. My friends were like, David gets three wins in a row, and then he has to pass the controller. And I was like, all right, because <laughs> otherwise it was just boring. It was just me, you know, clobbering them. Um, yeah, so <laughs> just I just because we love this stuff, that Mortal Kombat actually got me my first writing job when I was six in sixth grade. Going awesome. back to strategy guides. I was the first kid in school to have a strategy guide. And I had people, you know, oh, it was such it's just such a, a nuisance to me, just like bothering me. Like, David, will you tell us the codes? We need the codes, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm really busy right now. It's study hall. I'm trying to sleep. It's just like right, scribbling on a piece of paper. Like, here you go, take this and just go away. And just like, yeah, just get it. So that's here. how it started, right? But then I was like, you know, there's an opportunity here. So I go during a study lab. I go to the school's computer lab. I write out all the special moves, all the cheat codes. I print them off because copies are free because I'm a sixth grader. I don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Plus, it's like the school codes. resources. Like they should just let you have that. So exactly. And I was actually furthering my education because this was my first paid writing job because people were like, hey, David, you got codes? I'm like, I do. 25 cents. So Hell that's, yeah. that's how I started, man. I was hustling. I was like, extra, extra, read all about it. Selling papers, man. My like man. That, that kid that I, I heard about in, uh, I think it was high school or middle school, maybe, but he would take trays for a dollar. He was like, he saw that people didn't want to get up and take their trays. Dude so was he probably was like, making like seven figures as a CEO. That's the hustle, I mean, man. He saw it's, just, it's an entrepreneur. You see a hustle, you take it, you know, yeah. I, I, I can respect it. I, yeah. I respect it, but I don't have that. I'm just like, do it yourself. Like <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, I, I don't, don't think I'm sure. Jokes, jokes on, jokes on me, I guess, because I'm not getting paid to write strategy guys. But that's awesome, though. Like, but it was, it was like, it was fun. Like, I wasn't just trying to be a dick. Like, I knew I'd get paid for it. But it was also like, I kind of like writing the stuff down and thinking about it and coming up with my own little key. You know, having to explain to people like, now forward means the direction you're facing. They were like, what about left or right? I'm like, ah, see, that's not always going to work though. So what if you're on the other side? Yeah, the other side, you got to think about that. And they were like, "Oh yeah, you're right." In fact, my nickname was Mortal because I was just I would read strategy guides in class, and they were like, "David, are you paying attention?" I'm like, "No," I'm just like <laughs> flipping through the guide. And my my seventh grade math teacher was like, "All right, Mortal," and I was like, "All right, that's cool. I have a nickname now." Hell yeah! By a teacher, you know. So that lasted from like middle school through high school. That's what's um, up. I just I just love Mortal Kombat. Just everything about it was endlessly fascinating. You and I are from the same branch of the tree, my friend. There you um, go. Where you go? As as being older, what was the Street Fighter Mortal Kombat rivalry in your <laughs> eyes? Because for me, it was like WWF WCW. Like, oh, you yeah. pick you pick one, and that's it. Like you you can't be both at that at, at my age. You couldn't be and. I have no issues with Street Fighter. I don't no. like Street Fighter. Um, I am a, I'm a Mortal Kombat guy through and through. I'm loyal as shit. And so, right. like, you know, and it is, it is just this rivalry, this, like, it's not even a hatred because, again, I don't hate it, but I like to play it up with my buddies because I've got some buddies oh, yeah. who are really into Street Fighter. 
Shout out Ian. I was and, about to say, I think he's gonna he's gonna hate this. he's gonna yeah. hate this podcast hate so this. much. This <laughs> We're just burying Street listen. Fighter. Um, but like it was, hey, it Ian, was go home and be a family man. There's a guy quote for you. There you There's go. You. Um, <laughs> and so like it was it was intense, man. Because yeah. you know, but like honestly, like to bring it back because I know you're a big wrestling fan. But to bring it back around, like Mortal Kombat felt like ECW to me. Oh because, yeah, because it was like okay, like here we go. Like this is this is you're not supposed to see this you're not supposed to enjoy this but like it's the you know it's just that again the forbidden for i was i was privileged enough in my in my household i was not hidden from a lot of things growing up my dad was very much in that line of like well you're gonna see it anyway so let's like do it in a controlled environment sort of deal smart and so yeah yeah well that's debatable. Some people think it's smart. Some people think it's enabling. So well, then it's, there's the opposite where it's like, no, you can't look at any of that. What? You're pregnant at 18. How did this happen? That sort of thing. Yeah, we've you know? we've, we've yeah. talked about that on, on this like extensively. Like my dad has smoked a lot of pot in his life. I have never partaken in it because I never had the desire. I have no issues right. with anyone who does. Like, I don't care what people I'm, do, but same and same. Yeah. But like I've like I know that the majority of my friends in high school that started smoking weed did it because they weren't supposed to. And because right. they were told not to. And so you like, always go for the things that your parents are telling you. Yeah, not to do. absolutely. Like, that's, that's human exactly. nature. Someone tells you, hey, exactly. do, don't touch that button. What's the first thing you want to do? You want to touch yeah, that button and you're going to you just want to smash that button. Yeah, smash the like button, subscribe, <laughs> ring the bell. <laughs> all of it. Yeah, all of it. Got merch links in the description. Feel free to check <laughs> it out. Uh, what is so you're not you don't I, I collect the, the storm collectibles. I think like, man. There's just something about those that if they're those so had, good. Oh my gosh, man! They're and so like, Jacob doesn't understand it. Like, I it's cannot a justify the it's spending of the money. Oh my god, it, it's it's hundred percent. I'm not gonna. It can't. You know, shout out to my wife. I went to New York Comic Con in 2018, and I went there for two reasons. I went there, well, three reasons. I wanted to go because it's like you know, I'm never probably gonna go to San Diego. So like, let's go to the East Coast. It's closer. I'll go to yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's when rain and human smoke were the event exclusives. So my oh, wife cool. stood in line for over an hour for me to, wow. to pick those two up while I go and pick up a werewolf by night 32 graded, which, you know, I got the things I wanted. And that was the, and so like after the first day, like we had a two day pass and that was on a Thursday and I'm like, okay, well, like we'll come back Friday, but like I've, I've already dropped, you know, a thousand dollars. I don't need this is else. gravy. This is gravy. This is, yeah. So it's just like, yeah. it's the best day of my life right oh now. my gosh. Like <laughs> I, I held on to those three things. Like, 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 you know, like they were a child Yeah, and, yep. and I had a child at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Where is so, he? I don't know. Get out of my way. I've got my reins. Yeah. Here. <laughs> but like, I, like I had that werewolf 32, just like, death grip man like you could not have pried that from my hands yeah and so like and then we we brought one suitcase and it's like well shit we didn't think this through because how am i supposed to get these home <laughs> in this suitcase on the plane um so i ended up putting them in my backpack uh and yeah. literally was just carrying those around but um like i'm i'm up to date and like man like i had some of those the gi joe like the trilogy figures and so, or the gi joes were before trilogy well i guess they were the trilogy ones but yeah. um yeah. i have I, I somehow in the last like three months, I have somebody was like offloading a collection and I got two of the Mortal Kombat trilogy, like 12 inch. Yeah. So I had no idea until again, like three months ago when I'm like, okay, like in the Scorpion, Jade, Liu Kang and Cyrax is in the first series. 
And like, I remember seeing him at KB toys and stuff and like, you know, the little ones and like the Kano and his like in the Jeep that he came with or like the reptile or whatever it was. And so like, I had those and stuff like that, but I didn't realize that there was a second series of those 12 inch yeah. that released only in the UK. Yeah. And like, I've looked at them on eBay and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like they're so like, it would be so cool to have because that's a forbidden fruit because they were never here. Yeah. But like, I can't justify $800 for four figures. Yeah. It's so this is kind of interesting. I remember before they went defunct, another RIP, um, my brother and I went to Toys R Us. This was like a year or two before they went out of business. And um, it was really weird walking through an aisle of toys, very clearly priced for me. <laughs> not for kids right like I, there's right. nothing wrong with it at all people gonna like what they like but i'm like it's what a world we live in where like these toys are as much if not more than like video games which used to be like the most expensive quote-unquote toy i would buy um but i i love the storm collectibles oh my gosh. because of the attention to detail like you can't help but like him like how you can get scorpion to actually like pose him flame breath and all just his fatality pose like the attention to detail, like, yes, they're doing it to make money, but they they put they clearly put a lot of art and craft into those figures. Like, they're yes. works of art. They're really, really nice. And I completely... There's, like, I just a 12-year-old in me just, like, can't believe I live in a world where there are these highly articulated action figures of something that I absolutely love. Like, yeah. I, like again, like, I would have lost my freaking mind at 12 years old had I seen that. Oh, <laughs> Actually, I lose my I lose my mind now. And I'm, now, but 12-year-old would have been like, Nintendo 64! Like that kid. Yeah, um, absolutely. Day, you know, like, what the? Um, <laughs> there's actually, I actually write about the figures in the book, like John Tobias and Ed Boone were not thrilled at the recycled G.I. Joe figures at first. But the idea, <laughs> I talked to the licensor, he was like, the idea is, you know, um, Hasbro, Mattel, whoever it was, uh, they have these G.I. Joe molds, so we just want to get product on the shelf. It would have been Mattel, money. right? I, I think so. I think it was yeah. one of those, but um, uh, you know, we'll, we just want to make some money and then we'll re reinvest them and get nicer figures. But like, even John Tobias was like, he basically would probably agree with what we're saying right now because he's like, I had in my mind these like really nice collectible figures, and instead I get the GI Joe cast offs at first. Yeah. Right? You got to start somewhere. Um, there's been no, a bunch. Like, oh, there's been there's been a ton, and that's Jazzware did it with like MK9 and Shaolin Monk. Yeah. Yeah, I got a so Danny Simon, who started the licensing group, the licensing group was uh, they held the license for Mortal Kombat through like, I think Mortal Kombat five or six. He actually sent me he's like, I've got some stuff lying around. I'll just send it to you. He had like <gasps> this unopened Jazzwares Scorpion figure from um, I think it was it was either Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks or Deception. One of the two. Yeah um he had like an unopened like a raiden wristwatch he had so i'll show you guys your your listeners won't see it but he sent me an entire they'll box see it. Oh, they'll see it in their minds <laughs> oh my god of unopened trading cards oh that's just yeah that's, i'm sitting on a gold mine here right i was about to say like in today's in today's age where like trading cards are the new crack i guess i don't know what you want to compare it to but like they're insane yeah. like the market for trading cards right now so yeah, awesome. these are all just like unopened. He sent me what else? Like, I have a bunch of stuff, but like, like these Mortal Kombat like pins that are unopened. That's just stuff um, like that people just have lying around. They oh. don't realize how valuable it is until like, until 
you know, 30, 40 years down the road where they're like, they're like sitting here and they give it to their grandkids or whatever. And their grandkids are playing around with it. And they realize like, oh, that's actually worth like one point two million dollars. And your kids are like (laughs) currently destroying that entire wealth. You know, it happens like like, uh, it's a generational cycle because when I was a kid, so I have my uncle Brad is is a father figure to me. He's one of my heroes. He worked in the games industry. Uh, He helped me make a lot of the connections that led to my first, you know, stay long, listen book. And um when I was a kid, I'd be like, oh, Uncle Brad, have you played this and played that? He's like, oh, you know, I've heard that's really cool. I don't have time. I'm like, oh, you're such a loser, though. Why aren't you <laughs> playing everything? And now that I'm like old and just like, I love my work, but I, I do work just endlessly. And now my niece is like, David, have you played Splatoon 3? I'm like, I haven't even played 2 yet. And they're like, <laughs> Man, what's wrong with you? I'm like, you know what? Why don't you get a job? <laughs> you yeah, know, I'm like, you, come you on, kid. Bills, but like, like uh. I'm only 12. Like, you know what? Back in the day, before the jungle, Upton Sinclair, you would have been working for like six years by now, you little shit. But like, uh, like I, I kind of, I was get slinging it. strat guides when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> I was, and that's like the truth, man. That's the truth. I could back that up. But like, I get it because like the kid in you, I think that's why nostalgia can, can be a good thing. Like you, you're old enough to pay for it, which makes you appreciate it more, yes. you know, because otherwise it's like, oh, I really want this and you get it for Christmas. And by Christmas afternoon, it's just lying discarded on your floor. Right. But now can't see you're it, like, but... man, I could, yeah, yeah. Like you could appreciate how cool that is. And you have like kind of some artistic sensibility and you take time to like set them up. So they look really cool. Oh, that's and, the one thing uh, I will like I I will say about Alex's setup is that like every time I go over there like I have to like take a look. I have a diorama. See, like, has a diorama. That's awesome. I keep that's trying awesome. to convince him to like turn his entire storage closet into like a diorama thing, but he won't he won't let me do it. I, but I it's have like to, see here's the, the thing. intricacy of it all. You have yeah. to you have to set rules with these sort of things because as an adult I have disposable income, but like it's just collecting is a sickness. You also I, got a family. I, you've got to take care of. I have a family. Of, yeah. I have <laughs> and I have a little girl who also wants toys. So right. like, and she, and like, to be honest with you, she loves the fact, like when, if I get something from like big bad toy store or something in the mail, she's like, Ooh, what did you get? And like, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She started like, doing I, unboxing, I, I, unboxing yeah, right. videos. And on so YouTube. like, I also, <laughs> yeah. Cause I grew up of the age. It is so weird. Like we're not, that old but like jacob and i grew up in the age and, and you were probably part of it too but we were on the the ass end of where like reading comics playing games and all that shit was still considered like oh you're just a loser like nerd okay, shit in your mom's in, basement yeah, yeah, yeah right yeah and yeah. so like now if you don't do those things you're fucking weird yeah right? i i had an eye appointment like a year and a half ago I walk in, I do a double take, like my mother-in-law is in the waiting room. She's on her phone. I figure she's texting or something. I sit down next to her and she's playing Candy Crush. Like everybody is playing <laughs> yeah. something. Candy Crush is, like was and still is the new solitaire. Like secretaries sure. are no longer killing time, just playing solitaire. They've got, you know, for a while it was Farmville. Now it's Angry Candy Birds. Crush. Angry Birds. Yeah. My so father-in-law like, was playing Angry Birds. Like, yeah, man, oh, like man, gaming is like everyone is a quote unquote gamer now. They just have yeah. their game because there is there are so many games out there that everybody has. There's a game for everybody. And that's kind of like to your point, too, like you haven't played Splatoon 2 because like we are fortunate enough to live in the age that we live in. But like there's just so much, there's so much stuff. stuff. And so yeah. it's like you can't play everything, even though you'd like to. So like that's like we I get really burnt out on like open, like these gigantic open worlds. Like I love them, yeah. but like, I just don't have the time 
to dedicate to like every every game that is like a great open world game so like i'm a lot more particular with like the games that i play now and so like if i'm going like i have a rule typically if i need like two if i'm not inherently like interested like if i'm not there on the like day one like god of war ragnarok i'm i'm in no matter what right right? but like if it's something that i'm kind of on the fence about you've got about two to three hours to like grab me because like, if you don't, that's fine because there's something else that might grab me. And it's well, just like, and the other thing is like, I want this game, but in six months, it's going to be 1099 in the next steam. Sale. <laughs> okay. Jacob. Or, yeah. Or that's, me, that's, <laughs> like, my, that's my, and guy. that's totally that's, valid. Like Bethesda yeah. does that. Like they, they've even talked to me about like, that's part of our strategy. Like we like doom, doom 2016, doom eternal. These are prestige games. They're going to launch for 5999. But within a year, they're going to be like 20 bucks because they're very aggressive with their sales because it's like, hey, we want to move units. Yeah. And, yeah. And if you, gonna, if, I feel like yeah. if you haven't gotten them out within the first, you know, month or two at $60, like, cause that's the thing about like Nintendo games, unless it's a Nintendo game. Well, that's the thing about yeah. Nintendo games is that like they, they're trying to repackage and, and sell these games that have been on the shelves for like a year. Like there's still some of the games that have been out for a year that are still selling for like 60 bucks. And it's like, I'm going to go down to like McKay's, which is like, you know, uh, kind of what would you consider that? McKay's is a place where you can take your games, your movies, your books, comics, Legos, board yeah. games. And you it's it's a glorified pawn shop because like there we go. Take yeah, it, that's what trying to, they yeah. tell you and they give you trade in credit. And then you can peruse this big giant warehouse of junk and bullshit. I found some gems of stuff there. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah absolute yeah. gems. I've got a place like that here. It's called the exchange, like, you know, yeah. buy, trade, sell sort of deal. And they have absolutely it's, same, it's thing. same thing. Yeah. I will see like boxed collector's editions, like 40 bucks. And I'm like, really? And like, yeah. I, I don't even go for a lot of that stuff anymore. For games, I'm mostly digital just because of like time and space. Sure. But if I'm like, if it's a franchise I really like, I will go down to the exchange and see if they have a collector's edition. <laughs> a couple of years around. ago, I did that a couple of years ago. Cause like I said, when I moved away to college, I got rid of a bunch of stuff. And so I was like, I want to have a physical copy of every mortal Kombat. I don't have a copy of special forces or mythologies that that's somewhere. If I ever find it at a decent price, like I'm not going to play it. I just basically need the the case, the jewel case, yeah, to yeah, not yeah. Be, but I went down and I had to track down a, a couple because I had most of them because from from like from Xbox on from Deadly Alliance to current I had. So and I basically just had to I didn't realize that MK4 or slash gold was kind of expensive. Like out yeah. of like it's very expensive. Well, there are two editions. Do you know? Yeah. About that? Yes. Yeah. So there's the <laughs> there's the regular one and then there's the greatest hits one, right? So well no. So there's there's um there's the red disc and then the gold disc, the color of the logo on the disc art. Which one uh, is harder to find? The gold one. That was the first release. I, I have I have the whatever I don't know which the disc is. I have the, the one that has the, the greatest hits sleeve on the side. Okay, I think, you probably I have think, the red one. I have the red probably, one too. Yeah, and I bought I bought it at launch. And so yeah. like it was really hard to find because I, like obviously like the artwork is gold because it's Mortal Kombat gold, sure. right? Which right. they could have just called that game Ultimate MK4, because that's what it was. The N64 like, version is very expensive. Yeah, yeah, and I it is, which is that, weird. that's the one I was gonna get because I was like looking at my thing uh, at the my my shelf and it's like okay well i've got the super nintendo versions of one two and three i still have my my trilogy like that i i brought that to college with me just i don't know why i just didn't want to get rid of it i had a ps3 my ps3 was backwards compatible yeah um but like i was like well i don't have any representation of the n64 here and then i saw the prices for that versus what 
<laughs> the one on the PlayStation was, I was like, no, I'll just get the one for the PlayStation. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But I'm not so crazy into collecting to where, like, I need every version of Deception because I have the one, I still have the one that I bought, which is I had Baraka was on my cover. I got the uh, Baraka. Baraka or Molina, one of the two. Because it's yeah. Baraka, Molina, Sub-Zero, and probably scorpion right had to be scorpion um maybe i I I definitely got the baraka case though yeah yeah it's the one i have too um so okay let's let's do this of the first three so the first the the 2d era which is your favorite from from one to trilogy from one to trilogy um it always your favorite my favorite yeah it's hard it's it either comes down to ultimate mk3 or two Two, I feel like was like, it was such an evolution over one. It was smoother. You know, one is good, but like it felt really stiff and clunky. Two was sure. so much more fluid. I loved like the primary colors just pop. I love that game's color palette. Mm-hmm. I also loved the tone, the fatalities, the characters. Um, but it leans into MK3, the fantasy a lot more. Yeah, it really does. And like Outworld was just like such a cool fantasy realm. Um but Ultimate MK3, like uh, like you, like I love the combo system. I love the speed. I love the roster. If I had to choose one, I would say probably Ultimate MK3. But the interesting thing about four is it's kind of a bridge, right? Because it's yeah. 3D, but it's kind of not. Because like, how often do you really sidestep in that game? It had more or less the same gameplay as Ultimate MK3. It was just polygonal. And if, if I'm going to say of the arcade era specifically, four That's is fair. my favorite. Yeah, it's yeah. For me, it's Ultimate 3 just because that was the jump from, like, I like this to I love this. Yeah. But I have I have a deep, deep infatuation with Trilogy because the ability to play as the fucking bosses that wrecked your life. It was like the Gang's All Here edition. That's oh, my God. Like, I, when I, the first thing I did when I went, because it came out on GOG, like, I don't know, a couple months ago. And like when yeah. I got that Twitter notification that it was available, I immediately snatched snatched Insta-buy. it up. Yeah. Insta buy it. Like I had and- that edition too as a kid. I had the Windows disc because I oh, had really? it for I rented it for N64, but I had it for PlayStation. And then I also had a PC and like, you know, again, PC Master Race. I'm like, okay, I have consoles, but I want like the PC version's got to be the best. And it kind of was because it didn't yeah. really have much, if any, loading time, like in the Shang Sun yeah, Morphs. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like the first thing I did was I picked Kentaro and I just started wrecking dudes. Yeah, I love him. I even told John Tobias. I was like, I love Kentaro. I feel like like everyone, there's a lot of like nostalgia for Goro and then Mo- Motaro because he wasn't a Shokan. He was something different. But Kentaro is just like, I love tigers and he's like a four-armed tiger. It's just going to fuck you. And then like, all right, see, we're going down another rabbit hole. But like, I, I talked to Tobias <laughs> about this too. Like, and he was telling me about like Dan Ford and Ed Boone really created this ambience. One thing I love about MK2 that just still gives me chills is when you're fighting Kentaro or Shao Kahn in their arena, you hear the roar of the crowd whenever they yes. land a hit. It has this big fight feel to it. Uh-huh. And I will always, like, Kentaro, like, uppercuts you and just like, as he just soaks in the crowd roars i'm like this game is so fucking cool like i just i just <laughs> I, love I where's motaro just pissed me off that oh was like arcade God. cheapness to the max i mean shao Kahn was too shao Kahn was too but like motaro like nope no projectiles yeah like at least i can freeze shao Kahn. motaro is just gonna like ricochet that ice right back at me like yeah. why don't i just give you a 20 dollar bill right now and you let me pass you know? <laughs> yes <laughs> that absolutely it. that was rage inducing what were your yeah. thoughts with so like after 
you like four so much. How, what were your thoughts with like the, the, the complete change in bosses? Cause like we were pretty accustomed to, you know, Goro and then Shang Tsung, <laughs> and then you have Kintaro Shao Kahn, then you have Motaro Shao Kahn. Like this is like the first time that like you get, I mean, Shinnok is, I've grown to like Shinnok over time. Again, four was just like such a drastic change for me, but yeah, that starts the, the path where the boss is not cheap anymore. I mean, Shinnok's hard, but you know, the thing about like Mortal Kombat 4, I think the bosses were a little weak, and I feel like sure. Hirakam at least knew that because that's why they added Goro to MK4. Yeah. And there was actually, I wanted to like clear this up. Like Ken Fidesna told me, Oh, yeah, I think John and Ed planned Goro for the arcade, but they just didn't have time. And I was like, John, is there any truth to that? He's like, No, you know, we just we're sticking with Shinnok. Uh, so Goro was totally like Hirakam's baby, adding him in, and I feel like he was necessary. Because here's the thing about Shinnok. Uh, the AI never used his morphs, and he has right. no special moves of his own. So he was just a dude yep. who occasionally took out a spear. <laughs> and like, at least Chang <laughs> Sung, like he's going to morph, and he's got everyone's powers at his command. Shinnok's just like, I think I can beat you with regular punches and kicks. <laughs> and I'm like, you cannot. You never have. Like, I just felt like he was kind of a pushover. I came to really like him in uh, 10. Yes. You know, when they brought him back. But like in four, I was like, and also like in trilogy, having the bosses selectable was special. You felt mm-hmm. like I should not be doing this right now. Yeah. But Shinnok being available from the start, coupled with the AI not really using him well, was just yeah. like, this guy doesn't feel special at all. He just feels like a dude who happened to land on the top spot. So it's a, he's a character tower. that was like, it was in the right place at the right time. Everybody else died. And he was like, I guess I'm the leader now. Like, like, oh, yeah, I'll take over. Do you have any special moves? Yes, but I won't use them. Like, okay, uh, you're hired, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that was sort of, the, I think, a big complaint with, like, Deadly Alliance as well, because it just flip-flopped between, you know, Quan Chi and Shang Tsung at that point. Well, so, but you had Moloch before That's that. true. That's so, true. But, and here's, like, that, that game... I, so I love De- Deception's my favorite from the next era. Yes, I was going to ask my next question. 100%. Yeah, Deception. I, I have a lot of issues with Armageddon, but I really like Deception. But the thing about even like that game all the way through Armageddon, really, the bosses still felt like they were designed to eat quarters. And I'm like, I, I paid for this game. <laughs> and you tone it down a little. Like that's when I started missing Shinnok from MK4. Like, what about the dude who was just a scrub with powers he refused to use for religious reasons? I guess like Moloch was just like arcade hard, and I was like, this is kind of bullshit, Ed Boon. What are you doing here? You know, yeah, like too much. But the, the weird thing with the 3D era was, be- I think, because we grew so accustomed to Shao Kahn being there, really for four games between two and then three MK3s, right? That like they would go from okay, it's Moloch and then the Deadly Alliance, and then it's Onaga, and then it's uh Fire Guy. Blaze. What was his name? Blaze. Blaze. Yeah. Um, I was just like, none of these bosses really had feels like they had staying. Blaze, powers. who was also in Deadly Alliance, by the way. Yes, he was. He was. And they also say like <laughs> next to mocap. <laughs> yeah, like uh, yeah, right next to mocap. And like, and uh, you know, oh, he's also in Mortal Kombat 2 on the yes, bridge. I was- you can't see it on mine because mine's the MK9 version of my background. But yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, well, Liu Kang palette swap is on fire and handling it just fine. But like the bosses, like, like the, aesthetically and Hornbuckle, yeah, like aesthetically they were cool. But I think because Shao Kahn was around for so long that no one has really had that final boss feel. Like until Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat 9 when they brought Mortal that Kombat shit 9. back. 
Yeah. <laughs> cool. It's so it really did. Yeah. Oh my God. It's yeah. so like, there's a trophy on the PlayStation or an achievement on like 360 where it's like beat the arcade on like ultra hard. It's like, it's impossible. Like you can't do it. There's no way. I will. Yeah. No, no I, I like, he's hard <laughs> enough. He's hard enough. He's hard enough. Yeah. It's, it's like that, that whole meme where it's like, I uh, no, I don't think I will. No, I don't. No, but I, I, I man, I don't think I will. So like that moment, <laughs> like, you know, like I said, deception, I remember being like, I was in high school and like the conquest mode. Yeah. Like you go back and play it now and like, yeah, it's whatever, but like it blew my fucking mind that like, I, not I only really do you have this the implementation of it. Yeah. Not really. only do you have this fighting game, but like you have an, an adventure mode in the universe. Like, yep. let's fucking go, dude. dude so much that so was... that Shaolin monks happens. And I love Shaolin monks. Oh my God. I love it so much. Yep. Same. Same. I, I, me, I would love a remake or like a some a sort port. of sequel, I, spiritual, yeah. or otherwise. I I bought that game on at launch, and me and three of my friends, uh, we went out. They had a they had a shed, like what you would store your like lawnmower and stuff in. But they had just installed the shed. There was nothing out there. We went out there with a couple of fans, ordered a pizza, hooked up a TV. Oh my god! On an Xbox, like, oh. and we beat that whole game and we stood like we would just trade off like there's four of us like we would just trade off oh my god it was just like one of the best times yeah. ever like oh i just i i love i love shaolin monks and i i'm i i want another action adventure game like i do like I do i'm okay too. i'm okay with like not having like tr- like if they announced mk12 like i'm, I'm there obviously but like right. if they're like you know let's do let's do that fire and ice game that we said we were gonna that was rumored for a long time ago where it's scorpion and sub zero. Like, let's go. Come on. Yeah. Let's yep. go. <laughs> where, where do I pre-order this? Take my what, money. Yeah. Let's go. Gifts. Collector's yeah. edition. Let's go. I'm in. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, it's and there's irony too, because it's like mythologies wasn't well received. So let's make another one. Special forces was abysmal. Ugh. Let's make another one. Uh, Shallow monks was really great. I think we're done. What? <laughs> now you stop. Now, yeah, like, you know, there's, there's sense. some funky like lore things, but like, as, as we know with MK, it's reset itself several times. So like, that's, that's why, I, I appreciate that where like, it's just a game that, eh, we didn't like this. We're going to reset it. Or they, they just, but they just that's want the thing, to reset like, it. Like, it's like, not it's, even like a, like a, a restart. It's like, well, we've got, you know, the, the time we've got time travel and like, I, I love it. Like yeah. what's so, so deception's your favorite from that era. Yeah. yeah same, mm-hmm. same, same, not counting Shaolin monks. Um, what about yeah, the, like the one-on-one fighter formula? Yeah. It's, it's deception. What, what's your favorite of the NRS era? I guess you can not throw not. in MKDC in there. Why? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I really like that game story mode, but like the problem with it. So like, okay. It's yeah. the foundation for what we got. It's the, it's the foundation for what we got. The story mode was good. Although I prefer the arcade story modes and I'll, I'll tell you why, but the thing about, um, MK versus DC is like, first of all, on the surface, they water down a lot of the violence. Absolutely. But Mortal Kombat to me is not just about violence in the same way that the Saw franchise is not just about like really gory traps, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of psychology and good writing in there too. And I felt that like Mortal Kombat versus DC was also bereft of a lot of secrets, secret characters, stuff like that. It really didn't feel like a Mortal Kombat game. And the fact that you had That's to fair. give half you have the half the roster over to a bunch of comic book characters. Look, I love Batman. Okay. Something else that only for you guys. There we I, go. My wife designed a Batman wedding ring. I like Batman, but other than that, I'm actually not really into comic book stuff. So I was like, I'd rather have like more Mortal Kombat people and a Mortal Kombat game 
So that game is just not like I thought mechanically it was fun. I liked the story yeah. mode, but I kind of forget that game exists most of the time. Most people just do. Really, yeah, it really didn't. <laughs> but it was good enough to where at that point Warner Bros. is like, hey, we're gonna buy you. That's yeah, that's exactly it. And like I, I thought it was really creative and like injustice. It was always kind of like I remember having the same thought, like. I mean, if you're going to make a comic book fighting game, just make a comic book fighting game. You know, Capcom's over there with Marvel stuff, so why not spin this off? And then they did eventually, right? And yeah. that's kind of cool because, you know, fans of Injustice have that, and then Mortal Kombat games can feel like Mortal Kombat games again. I um, do I do have a bit of an... So you said 9 was your favorite? Yeah, just because, like, that was, guar- that was a guaranteed moneymaker. Like, it was a mm-hmm. return to form. It was mm-hmm. a reboot. And they went back to... I mean, it's the ultimate MK3 roster. They went back to arguably the greatest... With, with Kenshi and Quan Chi. With, yeah, with Kenshi and Quan Chi. Like, arguably the greatest time in Mortal Kombat history. Yeah. Like, you start there to rebuild. That's a really strong foundation. Um, with, and, you and like, you start after Armageddon. Shao Kahn wins. Yeah. Like it's it just awesome. completely. I love it when like, a bad guy wins. It. Honestly, it's great. Yeah, it's cool. You don't expect it, right? I love that. Like, I love that they. So what I like about the story modes in the NRS games is they do feel they're very cinematic. Mm-hmm. But what I really liked about the storytelling in the arcade games was that all the endings were speculative. Yes, I liked the mystery around it, and I, I liked that not a lot was spelled out, and there was still. It's kind of like playing Dark Souls games today. They don't just kind of feed you the story. You have to do a little bit of work and figure out how Elden Ring here, Jacob. That's the thing. I think a lot of people, I I think Elden Ring kind of shone a light on like for, because Dark Souls games has their very specific fan base, right? People who love Dark Mm -hmm. Souls games and Elden Ring was one of those, especially like for me in particular, because I, I'd never played, like I played Bloodborne a little bit and I'd suck at it. So uh, like Dark Souls games were never like really my thing. And then Elden Ring comes out and it's like, kind of a hybrid between an open world game and dark souls and it wasn't it's hard don't get me wrong there's definitely hard bosses hard bosses it, it's indeed. the most accessible one of yes those absolutely and there's yeah. different ways to play it like whereas the other games i think there are different ways to play the other games but it was never like you had to do your own kind of like exploring into like how to do that and stuff like that but i think a lot of people didn't realize like when elder ring came out like that it's still a dark souls game yeah. and to get to you know endings to get to like to understand what's going on and all that stuff you do have to do more than just say hey read it to me tell me what's going on it's yeah. like you have to like look at spells you have to look at like inventory items you have to look at like random people that are talking to you and it's like it's a lot <laughs> it's like a lot of people weren't very receptive of it but the dark souls people i feel like it was kind of an, enough of an ode to them that they enjoyed the game too so i, I don't know man i, I really yeah. enjoyed elden ring it's i can't I, wait for more dlc for it honestly i, I so. can't either i can't i've i've invested thousands of hours in that franchise and i'm all i'm all for getting more people into it because you need to sell games to make more games right absolutely so like, and this one, I think Elden Ring is proof that that worked because they sold like 12 million copies in the Dude, first it was, month or week or something. For the first, for the like the first, Jacob bought it twice. I bought it twice, but I bought it again. The second time was at McCabe's. So I, I, got, I just yeah. wanted it on PlayStation 5 to see how well it ran. Like it ran just fine on my computer, but I wanted to see like five, I wanted to see 4K, like what the game was truly supposed I to heard look like. There was like some stuttering issues on the PC because I have a gaming PC. And I could have bought on that, but I heard about the stuttering, so I went PS5 as well. And I really, I, I think it's great. Don't know what I was thinking. I think I didn't want to wait around for PlayStation Five or something of that nature, but I was like, I'll just go ahead and get it on. P-. I, that's what it was. It came out 
a day before on the PC versus like I would have to wait a day on the PlayStation 5 to buy that it. That happened I was with like, Dark Souls 2. It was like a month of the PC. I'm like, I'm going PS3 again. Like I need to play this day one. Day one. Yeah. And that's and I was like, I, I don't I don't know what it was about like Elven Ring, just everything about it. I was like, hell yeah, I, I need to get on board with this. Like this looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh and I, I absolutely loved it. I thought the story was great. Uh but it, again, I think that the map was big enough I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was ever going to stop growing at one point where like it, it, when you first start the game you think oh it's just like this okay this map's big and then it's like you get past the first part and you're like oh this map's big and this <laughs> map is like big big yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like basically big, big. it's grand theft souls right and oh my gosh like so that much was the discovery. perfect way to make it more accessible and get more people on board and, and they yeah. did that and like that's there are a lot of fans who are like no these are my games keep the casuals out oh, like, dude, get out of here dude. Why, like, why is it like they're like oh i gotta solo it like you you do you but if, if yeah. they didn't want you to use the multiplayer they wouldn't build it into like literally every facet of the game right like it's there for you to have fun with. that's like, like i mean like a good subway there's like mk11 is financially the most successful of the franchise yeah and it is it is a very polarizing game for it is the, i really like it but i, I love get it. why yeah i, I, I do too it. it's my favorite since i didn't just like 10 i and, i like 10 I, I like it too i like it mechanically but i did not like the color palette at all it was a you don't want to know why colors. i like 10 so much why is that trimmer oh dude trimmer's fucking cool as hell. <laughs> love trimmer he's, dude he's great he's the best like he's yeah he's like like absolutely one of my favorite characters and he's it's just like he's so i don't know why he's just so cool he's like that enigma that was like you know he's like there in special forces and then he's like never shows up but you know about him and then like if you have the vita version of mk9 he's just a palette swap brown ninja in the in the extra tower part cool. Cool. and then it's like Okay, and then uh, I just I like the way he plays. I don't t I like quick characters. I would rather do less damage and be faster than do be slower and do more damage. That's yeah. just that's my play style. But like he's one of the slower characters that like I, he's just he's just so aesthetically cool and just like just he's just such a badass. But also, <laughs> I think the guest characters in X are better than the guest characters in Eleven. And my my biggest issue with Eleven was the over the overindulgence of guests like i don't like terminator fine but like i don't i don't need <laughs> I like they, they could not afford it's, arnold sports you know whatever and they're like, like we'll get the closest thing we can like him, spawn so. is fine like i like it was just the the overindulgence like i love listen i love good cheesy 80 action movies like i love them yeah. but predator fit very well but like you know leatherface like by the by the end of x i was already like i don't need all of these i don't need a xenomorph it's basically baraga like and then here you've got like rambo and it's like you could have like done two of those instead of yeah. having like robocop and terminator okay like i had the game on super nintendo like the game sucks like whatever but like i get right. it like the nostalgia for it and you got peter weller that's cool right. but like leave it at that like i don't need rambo it's it, so i think one but reason... i understand why yeah, yeah. I, I think one reason I had some issues with tens, like first of all, for me, it's a color palette thing. Like it just I like, felt I like so, the dark. I, I like <laughs> the dark in general, but like a lot of the backgrounds and foregrounds colors were all dark, and it just kind of things had I had trouble with things standing out or not standing out as the case mm -hmm. may be. 
But I also remember the first time I booted that game up, and I remember there were banners like "Buy Goro in the store, get a Combat Four Pack." And I was like, uh, "My Is this a fucking like... mobile game?" Like it was. <laughs> it, I think that was one of the first premium games I played on a console, where I was like, "I'm sorry, did I get this from the App Store for free?" Like it was really just jarring. What is this? A yeah. EA game? What am I? Yeah. What am I? What's going on? Here? I never had an issue with that because, like, if I was gonna buy it anyway day one, so like if you pre-ordered it, you got Goro for free. So it was, yeah, and, yeah, uh, Injustice yeah. did the same thing, like Dark Side with Injustice Two and and whatever. So like I I, the, I get that, and but yeah. also the way fighting games have evolved now to where like. They want you to keep the game and then by trickling in new characters. Yeah. I like that approach, but I really liked Eleven's approach to where like it's not just characters. You get story, you get the aftermath, you get all of this stuff yeah. to where like that's what I want. Like characters are great, but like again, as somebody who plays typically all of these MK games by myself, because I don't have any friends that are really that into fighting games. Right. By the time that you know the ninth character comes out nobody gives a shit that is my friends so it's like okay like i'll hop in and I'll, I'll mess around with this character but like by the time fujin and like melina and stuff were out like yeah you know and the same thing happened with x too like by the time because they they did the single releases of characters then they did it in the batch of the the xl and it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. like you got bo raicho and triborg and stuff like that. and like my the the biggest thing with 11 that i that bugs me is hands down my absolute favorite sector and Cyrex designs, and they're not playable. Yeah, I uh, so cool. I love the Triborg concept. I just yeah. think that's cool, and, and and it's also very thematic. Like, yeah, like the, the one of the points of having a cyborg, you think, is you can program them to use different move sets. Yeah. So like it was like the realization of that character dating back to like MK3 when they still needed to pad out the roster with palette swaps because of memory. Mm -hmm um i also like the guest characters i know that's uh, a polarizing issue as well i i get why they do it but i'm always like the purest in me is like i'd rather have more mortal combat characters but if you're gonna have guests make them fit but i i like that with the guests it's the the returning mk characters it's not always who you think like the fact that they brought back tanya i was like okay cool that's a character you don't really see a lot and then ed Fujin likes that character because it's named after his sister so yeah yeah so like it's I like I like that these characters they're not who you expect. Like if they were like, "Hey, Kai is a guest <laughs> character," I'd be like, "Oh yeah, no something." Like Rico is my favorite from MK4, and that dude has been MIA since like Armageddon, Armageddon right? Yeah, yeah. So I I, I do think there was a missed opportunity with Eleven to put Havoc in there because Havoc's yeah. my favorite 3D character. Yeah, he's I, just it, cool, really cool. He's just like toyetic as shit. Like he's just so visually cool, and mm -hmm. that was the first time like I said, with Deception, where you get, like, Order Realm and Chaos Realm and, like, all these separate realms, and you're just like, what? Like, it just, like, expanded the universe exponentially, yeah. and you're just like, okay. And I like Havoc, so I like the way he played in Deception, so, like, to mm -hmm. be able to see him in a updated version of that, you know. Um, yeah. I was gonna ask you something. To oh, let's bring it back around to spaghetti what um which <laughs> character course. which character which mk character in the universe do you think makes the best play to spaghetti uh my gut <laughs> instinct is melina because like she's got to have an appetite with those teeth like it's not sure. she's not slurping one noodle at a time she's like got uh you know noodles going through all those all those jaws so like i feel like it would be her she looks like she would appreciate food otherwise 
it's got to be Raiden, right? Because that dude's a god. He's lived through some really interesting times. <laughs> He's know. tried a lot of recipes. He just has to have a whole database. What about I Bo Raicho? Raiden and Fuji I was just drink. about to say Bo Raicho is my guess because like he's Raicho's the he's the one that, that drinks, right? He's the yes. he's the drunk arts master or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, I definitely think that he wins that one. That's he's, that's a much better choice than mine. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> he's like, yeah. I think that he's Bo the Raicho drunken is, spaghetti master. Yeah, absolutely. He's one of the main yeah. characters I remember playing. So that was like the first game that I remember playing for MK was uh, the one with the crypt. I don't know which one that was. Well, that doesn't but, narrow it down. There's okay. Several. Well, it was the very first time they had introduced the crypt where you the could like spend. Lines. Okay, that was the one I remember, and I remember playing. Uh, I think it was the drunk, the drunk yeah, kung fu bo- master. Bo- right, yeah. yeah. So that was the that was. I remember playing like MK. I think it was three or whatever the one was on Super Nintendo, where the only, only combo that I knew was the backpack B, right? With uh, with Scorpion there, where it's like get over here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, de- I definitely think that. The, the Deadly Alliance is the one I remember the most there with the Bo Rai Joe because that's the one I would always go with because I liked I liked dancing <laughs> around. It was you fun. like you like to see representation yeah. of yourself. <laughs> um to not not to like move off MK because I could literally talk about this forever, but I don't right. I've got you here. So you also you're working on a documentary, correct? Yes. Uh directing and co-writing. Uh FPS first person shooter, which is about puzzle games. No, it's about uh first person shooter. <laughs> uh which is a story I wrote about five years ago for Shack News. You can go on shacknews.com, read this for free right now, or go to Amazon if you want like a Kindle book, paperback, whatever. Uh Rocket Jump, which is uh, about Quake and the nineties era of first person shooters. And uh that kind of got me involved with the FPS team. I started an advisor as an advisor like a year and a half ago. And then um, they, uh, you know, a few things came to pass and they they made me the director and um, yeah, it should be out. Uh, we just recently announced we had to push it back a little bit. It'll be out next June, but production's going really well. In fact, I'm going to Vegas in like a month and a half to do a screening of it, like a 30 minute screening of the movie. So it's, it's going to say, isn't it like a three hour movie or something? It's It's going to be three hours. I was about to say like a screening for three hour movie. It's got to be hard. They're going to have to have at least two intermissions, right? An hour and a half half marks. Yeah. But this will just be, we're doing a 30 minute chunk. So, you know, much more collateral, but yeah, it's, it's going really well. It's been a lot of fun. When it comes out in June, will it be, uh, how will it, like, is it going to be on streaming platforms or? Um, I don't know exactly how the distribution will work. I know that um, it'll definitely be out on DVD and Blu-ray. The other, so this production company, Creator VC, they're primarily known for their documentary about horror movies, a series of documentaries about horror movies called In Search of Darkness. And those are on, what is it called? There's like a horror Shutter. service. Shutter. Shutter. Yeah, yeah. nice. Uh, In Search of Darkness 1 and 2 are on Shutter um i think that's how i watched them um but uh yeah we'll probably have some deals in the works for i watched the trailer for it and, and it looks intense like it looks it looks really well made and, it, and it, i'm interested definitely in watching it just because i i didn't i don't have an extensive gaming knowledge like the two other gentlemen here with me so it's going to be <laughs> it, it'll be nice just to see like because i love documentaries to begin with and like yeah seeing the the breakdown of things like behind the scenes and everything and going into all the different content that or that what all goes into making like you know first person shooters and, and, and games in general it's always fun yeah there's there's a lot of interesting stories here i mean we got kind of a probably the greatest 
cast of game designers ever assembled like you know the, the who's who like john romero john carmack cliff blazinski warden specter warden specter you know names that you know if some of those aren't ringing synonymous right now, with shooters yeah like they, first person they shooters not like shooter shooters, shooters. Yeah, yeah. Not, uh, clarify. Gotta, gotta clarify, gotta clarify yourself now. in this day and age. Yeah. Oh, there's because uh, there's so many types, right? Like, oh, shooters like Smash TV, like nah, <laughs> not quite Smash TV. Um, but yeah, no, FPS is going really well. It's been I'm used to like I release at least a book a year, whether it's self-publishing or selling one. And so the fact that this is like going into you know, we started in 2021, it'll be out in 2023. I'm like, oh come on, but like it's coming like really, really well, and we're happy with the progress so far. Yeah, I'm so, excited for it. I let uh I let a couple people in on to let them know that you were you were hopping on here. And I was oh, like, nice. does anybody have any any questions? And the first one was why is Mortal Kombat better than Street Fighter? Ooh, so this goes back, we were talking about the rivalry, right? right. Like dating back to the arcade days. I think that um there so there are a few things. First of all, it's for some people it might be like national pride like street fighter like a lot of games back then came from japan like everything mm-hmm. great like sonic mario etc but like that game has like an american attitude and style to it it just feels like kind of like gritty in your face loud american uh especially in chicago like you know um it's very chicago mortal Kombat. Yeah. uh and um i also so there's a whole book uh, there are a whole book well literally but there's a chapter in the book chapter 10 here comes a new challenger that is about the breakdown like why do people prefer one or the other we get into everything like the block button versus holding back stuff like that um just stylistic and then you know i think when mortal kombat 1 came out a lot of street fighter players were snobs and it was like oh they've all have the same basic moves they're even little you could have just stopped with that that's true they're all snobs uh, yeah, they, they really can be, right? But, like, the interesting thing, they're like, well, Street Fighter 2 invented combos. I'm like, A, by accident. B, Mortal Kombat invented juggle combos, also by accident. Like, I asked Boone and Tobias, I'm like, oh, were juggles intentional? They're like, no, we realized it was uh, accidental. The only thing we changed was we we kind of, um, uh, <laughs> you know, changed the gravity in a future revision because in early versions of Mortal Kombat 1, you can do infinite juggle combos. So in later ones, Boone did adjust the gravity so that you will eventually hit the ground. Right. You can't do infinites anymore. But like, you know, Street Fighter players say, well, it takes a lot of skill to do like two, three, four, and one combos. And like juggle combos take a lot of skill. Like you're, you're basically like keeping that ball up in the air like a soccer player just using your knees. Like I, I really like getting into the nitty gritty of that stuff. And I, I kind of end the chapter by saying like, the only way we could ever settle this is by having Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat, which is probably one of the few dream crossovers in games that has yet to happen and probably never will. Like never if you will. think about it, Nintendo versus Sega from back in the console wars, we got that. You can mm-hmm. literally have Mario and Sonic fight in Smash Brothers, yep. but you will probably never, ever see Ken versus Scorpion. Because I mean, we've Capcom- seen Street Fighter and Tekken. We've seen Street Fighter and Tekken, but neither of those is going to like rip the other franchise characters' heads off, right? And so, that's like, what it boils down to. We don't want another to. MK. We just need a we need a yeah. jump force situation where like all the fighting games that like a hole opens up in the universe and all the characters get sucked <laughs> yeah. into one universe, and That'd it's like they have Isn't to that fight what each Fortnite other. Fortnite is. That's okay. Fortnite has just gotten out of hand. Okay, that's pretty I'll much like yeah, like you were, you're like oh, Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter. And you know what? Throw in Batman and Scooby and John Wick. And, yeah, and John, yeah, like John you, Wick, Goku. You got, you got Naruto yeah. in there now. They all have guns. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, another question was, why is Heretic constantly overlooked for Hexen? You know, that's a good question. So I think Hexen, I've talked to John Romero about this. He was actually kind of leading the design uh, on uh, or on behalf of Raven Software. Like they developed it, but he consulted and, and did a lot of the design direction. And what he wanted to do was build a hub world, which they had we, had, we hadn't seen yet in first person shooters, right? Hexen kind of did that, but it didn't really have the mechanics in place because it was built from the Doom Engine to really kind of explain that the world was opening up. Like that game is very, very opaque. I would actually say that like Hexen, a lot of people looking at that game are doing so through rose tinted glasses because yeah, I think, Ian. I think I, well, here, no, here's the thing, <laughs> Ian. Uh, I love, I like Hexen, but I think Heretic by being more straightforward is probably the better game because it was just like, this is Doom with fantasy stuff. And I feel like that was like executed much better i like i like hexen's like multiple player classes and stuff but man to this day i can't get out of the second level of hexen i have no idea what it wants from me but i know that i cannot meet its needs uh <laughs> it's, it's tough it's just i cannot rise to this occasion um but i yeah I, I think i think that heretic is criminally overlooked but hexen was hexen was also on more platforms like you could buy hexen on consoles back in the day i don't think heretic ever crossed over from pc the way hexen did that, makes so that sense. might have a lot to do with it too. Do you prefer Quake's gothic horror or Quake 2's sci-fi aesthetics more? I prefer um, so I really like gothic horror, but I actually I, I have a lot of I, I back a lot of black sheep. Like Dark Souls 2 is my favorite Dark Souls. I'm one of the there are dozens of us, okay? Um, <laughs> I, I prefer Quake 2 because here's the thing: Doom is my favorite first person shooter of all time. And I feel like everything Quake did, other than the original the intro, Doom, the original Doom. Other than being true 3D, Quake did not quite do anything better than Doom did. It had better tech, but of course it did. It's a, it's a 3D game, full 3D engine, um, and it, it did a lot of cool things, but it was also kind of all over the place. I really like, I think Quake 2 is kind of overlooked as far as what it did. It had these cohesive environments where you would, rather than going through discrete levels, you would go through levels that were interconnected which Unreal and Half-Life did, but not until the following year. And I feel like Quake 2 really presented a cohesive story, universe, and setting in a way that no id software game had done up to that point. So it's one of those games that is, I think, kind of um, underrated. Hopefully Night Dive will come along and remaster it eventually, because then I think it'll get some more love. Yeah. You know I... the underrated game I'm thinking of right now? Turok. Turok, man. Yeah, we, we I, talk about that in the documentary. I as well. don't know what it was about. I don't know the story. I think dinosaurs. I was like, I was like seven when I played it, but there was like dinosaurs in it. I played it on N64. There yeah. was that gun, the cerebral borer, oh, right? Insta kill gun. Guns. Love, yeah. love it. It's so much fun. The sounds so, it made whenever it bored into your head. Such I still have nightmares about it. <laughs> arsenal. And like, it was so cool. Like, so, you know, obviously like that game, people remember the fog because of the draw distance on consoles, right? You couldn't draw mm -hmm. too far ahead, but that kind of added to the atmosphere. Like having, like seeing dinosaurs charging out of fog at you. Oh yeah. I terrifying. Had, I, it, I'm sure that's where my, my fear of like any kind of thing that I can't see in front of me after a certain distance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember Raptors in particularly, like you'd be running in a level and then Raptors would just come out of nowhere and start mauling you. And I'm seven. I don't know how to use a controller and I'm screaming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my parents like, what are you playing? I think I got it at the video store. I rented it once because yeah. I thought the cover looked cool. And yeah, uh, uh, yeah scary. It was a scary game. So yeah, I, I think it was like 
a lot of shooters around that time, especially on the PC, were just like, oh, Doom, like pistol, shotgun, chain gun, rocket launcher, maybe something else. Like Turok's arsenal was so unique. I really like that about it. What's your favorite competitive shooter? Competitive shooter, I don't play a lot of them, obviously. I'm more of a single player guy, but um, I love Unreal Tournament. Which one? I really did. Uh, 99. I've, 2004 is probably my favorite, but UT99, there's like a purity to it. That sure. I really still enjoy. That's how I felt about the original Counter Strike versus like Go. Like, I think Go is yeah, yeah, yeah. better, but also when you play that, if you play anything on PC, especially when it's Valve, it's just like, can you even get into a vanilla server where there's not yeah. cheaters and stuff? Jacob and I played this game called Hunt Showdown, and it's that's a great game. It's it's probably I played a lot of first person shooters, and I've, I mean, I used to be like I loved Halo back in the day. Like I love Half Life. Like I like I grew up in that era, like in the 2000 like first person shooter like Renaissance, basically. And yeah, as as much as I love all of those, I think the most unique experience I've ever had in an online because I'm much like you. I don't there's there's so many. Yeah. that it's hard to get focused on one and so if i'm going to play one i'm going to focus my time on one and right. hunt showdown has been the one to, like jacob and i have put over 500 hours into it and for a guy who's not really you're on mute by the way jacob yeah i don't know how i muted myself but um, i didn't it's just one of the like i don't like using the word unique and like one of a kind because i think it's an overused term right it is absolutely there is nothing like it and i think that's part of the 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 draw to it it's in yeah it's been infuriating sometimes it's the biggest but... waste of time <laughs> no it it's the not worst game <laughs> jacob's made. on a bad streak right now so he's I a little cannot <laughs> stand it, it is little... the worst game out there but i, Buy I it, but but don't play it but david <laughs> i have a question for you on, on like i don't like doom 2016 like i don't okay. like it at all but i okay. love doom eternal okay and i don't know why but i like the original doom yeah, there's something about 2016 that I I have tried it numerous amounts of times, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's just the over saturation of like, okay, this is just like this is the Doom you love, and there's nothing really else to it except it's prettier and it's newer. Right. Whereas Eternal feels fresh. It felt like Doom, but also felt like not Doom. It was a lot more tactical too, which yeah. which I which I really like, like the fact that. This is kind of polarizing too. You know, there are, especially if you play on ultra violence, which has always been like Doom's optimal difficulty. Like we designed this game for ultra violence. You can play like easier settings, but this is the Doom setting right here. You've not really beaten Doom unless you beat it on ultra violence. Yeah. And it's (laughs) like, you know, there's certain enemies who are just kind of, they are, and I I wrote a book about this too. Um, It's free to read on Shack News um, called Hellraisers. And, uh, you know, Hugo Martin said, like, we we intentionally programmed enemies so that they would kind of shrug off certain weapons, dodge them. We wanted certain enemies. We wanted you to kind of go, okay, this is a Mancubus. I need the rocket launcher. And then you're talking about Eternal. Revenant, Eternal. Yeah. Yes, yeah okay, yeah. And we need to go to the super shotgun. And like, I don't like, I like that. But Doom to me was like the weapon balance, especially in the originals, was always so exquisite that I kind of like to take my own approach. Which yes. may be why I prefer 2016, but objectively, I think you're right. I think Eternal is the shot in the arm that the franchise and maybe like AAA FPS design needed. I think it is um, a super, we'll use that word, super unique take. It 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 reinvigorated Doom. Yes, 
and took it. In it the made me give a shit about Doom direction. because 2016, yeah. I was like, I don't like when they announced Eternal after 2016. I was like, I don't care. Like, I, I don't right. care like at all. And then I played it and there's something very, again, the word unique. There's something unique about it to where it kind of makes you play the game the way it wants you to. You can't that, play that's it the, the thing way. with the weapons, right? You're yes. Like, you're, you're not. You might want to shoot this. You might want to like, yes. main through the whole game with the super shotgun, but you're not going to. You yes, know, we, we have a certain approach. And once it clicks that like you can't just use the shotgun the entire time and that like you like the game is forcing you that like, OK, it's all about blood ballet. It's all about the rhythm without the rhythm. Like, OK, I'm going to use the shotgun here and then I'm going to use the sword here and then I'm going to do this and this and this. And yeah. once you get it and once you understand it, it's like I, I see what you're laying down now. Like, I, I get this. It basically makes you relearn how to play a first person shooter. What, Which, that's that's what's really cool about it and that's why yeah. like another thing hugo said was like we really leaned into the fact that this is a fucking video game he's like why is why is plasma ammo purple because it's a video game and because we want you <laughs> like across the room when you're in the heat of battle we want you to go purple plasma got it and just know what that is yeah. like why do we have like mario brothers ass spinning fire wheels in the air because it's because. a fucking video game and that's, that's right. cool <laughs> you know and like i i like that i will say this what i love about doom eternal is it is the it is the game i enjoy watching experts play the most because it's a fucking symphony of violence yes. absolutely you know? like i watch um I think Zero Master do his like his uh, he might have even done a, like a no damage playthrough like 100% thing. Imagine being that good at anything. I know. It's <laughs> but it's like I watch him play and I'm like I get like I can't really do what this game wants me to do, but I I love what it's doing and I love watching people who can perform at the level it wants me to perform. And like man, it is so fun. One of the things I do before I go to bed at night, I just kind of lie down with my phone. I love watching uh, Decino play through like Doom wads. And every now and then I'll go to Zero Master and just watch. I don't know if he's posted anything recently because Doom Eternal is a little over two years old now, but I love his Doom Eternal playthroughs because, man, like that's the sort of game. It's like watching a competitive player. Like I like playing this game, but this is someone who was like born to do this and they're super fun to watch, you know. It's like fighting games too. Like, like when you too. when you watch watch the you know the the tournaments and stuff, and it's just like how it's just it's just, like you you know you beat your friends in Mortal Kombat like eight times in a row, and you're like I'm the best. And then like you right. watch these guys, and you're like I they double flawless me. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't get a hit in yeah. it Like it's just so it's yeah. I I do get that appeal, but like I, I man Doom Eternal's soundtrack is like one of my favorite <sighs> gaming soundtracks of all time. Like I'll Mick throw Gordon I'll so make it's unbelievable. I'll throw yeah. it in and be like okay like like let's just have this on in the background so i can i can just you know rave. what it's dangerous because like you listen to that and you're like you know what instead of going through my front door why don't i kick down this fucking wall like you just get <laughs> super pumped you know i always to wanted be- to take out this wall let me let me make a new door <laughs> yeah why don't i just do it with my head right to now be, to be yeah. fair i have listened to metal for about 25 years so yeah, like yeah, yeah. angry music does not make me angry it actually mellows me out that's why that I'm, a, I'm a cool. i'm a very mellow person except for when i like rage about things about having to go to the grocery store three times in a row in the right. same day like three times right. in an hour uh, that happened to me recently <laughs> like, I, and i was fair rant, man. those sort of things infuriate me but like there's a joke on the podcast called the osborne curse my last name is osborne and like there's 
it's just like it's a joke it's a running joke at this time because i know that things they're not inherently unique to me these things happen to everybody but like there's always something that happens that derails something and jacob can can verify like it's always the littlest thing that becomes an inconvenience like i never get hurt i never get like you know my house never gets set on fire none of that stuff but like if it's it's literally just like things just pile up and it just becomes like a laughing thing and i've my entire life has always been that way. And I'm just very good at adapting at that sort of thing. So like I'm outside of those instances, like on a normal, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very mellow dude. Yeah. yeah, So I'm pretty even killed most of the time. Um, and so like, and I've always just gravitated towards metal and I, I I don't, don't look like a metal head, but like, it's just like, I'm going to, I'm going to show here in in a few days and I like, I can't wait. And it's just like, that's awesome. I just, I just love metal. Like metal's the best. Jacob, Jacob doesn't appreciate it. It's fine. I can't (laughs) understand it. I I, I don't know what they're saying, but it's right. I think it's just more about like, like writing this rhythm with that music, you know, and kind of like really how, how you put it, like kind of picking up what they're putting down. And Doom Eternal, like I can't think of any soundtrack direction like better for that, or, or like Doom twenty sixteen, like that soundtrack was so good too. And then Eternal is just like that much better. Yeah, it's like Doom Eternal is cranked to eleven. Yeah, for exactly. Twenty sixteen. Exactly. Um, we've kept you for a long time, and I'm yeah, I apologize. So I'm. That's <laughs> no, all right, man. It's we had funny. a couple of questions we were gonna get to as far as non video game stuff, but like, sure. um, do you want to ask him, Jacob, about horror movies? Uh, we'll say that uh, if you want to come back again, uh, we can we can save all that for for another day. I'll, I'll, have, like, I'll end it with this. Do you do you, are you games. a believer in in ghosts? Are you a believer in because we're coming up in October and it's spooky mm. month? Do, are, are do you, are are you a believer in the what's the word I'm looking for, Jacob? Uh, paranormal, paranormal specters, paranormal. ghosts. Probably the easiest answer is no. Okay. But I like October. Halloween is my favorite holiday of the year. I love October because it's like the only time of year my wife will watch horror movies with me. So I love that stuff. As a creative writer, I'm I'm working on a horror story right now, actually, and I'm moving into a horror novel that you guys, you know, if you want to read it early copies, I'll send them to you. Absolutely. Um, I'm down. But do I believe in it? I don't believe in it, but I don't not believe in it either. Because you've not experienced it. Yeah, and it's all. I hate to be one of those people because, like, well, I have to see it. Like, well, you're not going to see everything, dude. There's only one lifetime. But like, um, I'm not like opposed to it. I'm open minded. I yes. guess I'll say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'll put it that way. I have. Go, go ahead, Jacob. It's so the thing that I've come to learn about like paranormal activity. Jacob's whatnot, very upset okay? because nothing's happening. That's the thing. It's like <laughs> people are talking about like we have to see it to believe it. That's the problem, right? Because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think I am starting to believe that like with paranormal activity it's because it's, he wants to be haunted if you want to see aliens <laughs> if you want to be haunted like these don't things don't come to you because that's not what it's about you're you're wanting right. it for the wrong reasons all right it's right. about experiences and that's why i have a hard time believing anything i see on the internet anything like you know ufo footage yeah. or whatnot because it's like most likely the skeptic in me is like that's probably some like top secret u.s gray uh, u.s great military you know it's 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 probably something that we've never seen before because the military doesn't want us to see it and they're just giving it a test run to like see the the public's perception of it uh or you know it's a hoax and and that's but to me i've come to learn that it's like it's not something you're going to capture on video it's not something you're gonna it's gonna be an experience that you've had what are you talking about zach bagan's caught all sorts of things on camera dude don't even get me started <laughs> with that tool okay like i'm sure he's a fine I, guy uh, i 
I have never been like haunted by a ghost, but I have had things in my life that are unexplainable that feel paranormal. And so that's right. why I'm, I am on the, on the, on the spectrum of like, yes, like I, I think there is there, there, I don't know how to explain it again. Cause that's why it's unexplainable, but I, I've had enough thing, weird things that have happened in my life to where it's like, I don't, I can't not believe yeah, it. I, I feel roughly the same way. I, I think Jacob, I think you're right. Like I have to see it with my own eyes. I'm not like that because I know that like, who the hell am I? I might not see this and that doesn't mean right. it didn't happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say I'm open-minded. I know it's not the same thing. I do believe in aliens. The universe is infinite. I want it. Well, there, cannot, there cannot not be other life out there. I, right. I hope there is because if we're it, <laughs> God, what a disappointment. It, yeah, I would be super disappointed. But um, fucking it all up right now. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting question. It's a fair one. And I, I invest so deeply in it whether i'm writing it whether i'm consuming it as a piece of media one of the reasons i love the paranormal activity series specifically one but then two and three as well but specifically one is because it feels real it pulls you in and just speaking about one 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 was the one that was like okay yeah and like that was a budget of oh so here's the fun fact the the director of that movie was the lead network engineer on Mortal Kombat 3 for the PC. So there you wow. go. Holy There's shit, the MK, what a tie in there. What a tie in. Connection. Let's go. Um, yeah, so I, I love that because like it it feels... It, it is feels the, so gritty and the very... perfect form yeah. of found footage. It really does oh, feel... Re- yeah. in, in a way that like Blair Witch and stuff did not to me. Um, it just, it feels real. The first time I saw that when I was like... How old was I? 25, 26. I, I kept every light in the house on that night. Dude, it was, that's the thing. I, I think I watched, I think it was the first one, but it, it's one of those experiences where it felt like it could happen to you. It happened to anybody. Like, and they helped, they, they did the Blair Witch thing where they kind of let it in with speculation. Mm-hmm. It's like, is this real? Is this not? Like, it, the sources say, like, this might be real. And it was like, right that small credence of like, could it be real where it, it just terrifies you in the, in the, then the aspect, like the, the point where it's like, you don't see anything the entire film. Right. right. And the only time you get kind of like a small glimpse as to what they're dealing with is the footprints whenever they lay the flower all over the floor. Right. Uh, and it's like, damn dude, that's like intense. And all the thing they go with. And then at the very end, you know, you got the, the shock horror with like the, the, the one time there's a jump scare. I think there's probably a few throughout the movie, but the big jump scare at the end where they like, spoiler alert, she like jumps at the camera. <laughs> it's like a 20 year old movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, that, that's the thing, right? Like, so I, I think discussions of belief are appropriate for that movie because in my mind, one of the narratives at play is in every movie, in every paranormal activity, they follow the same formula, which is, uh, you know, people think, oh, it must be coincidence. I think something's happening to me. No, I really think something's happening to me. But by the time the demon has really gained strength and taken hold, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. And it's mm-hmm. because you didn't believe that it was able to bide its time, gather yep. its strength, and then fuck everything up <laughs> yeah one of the best parts in that franchise which is chilling is the end of two when katie shows up and just wrecks everybody yeah uh, oh my god the and two the one scene that got me the most was the at the very end of it 
where it's like the tie into the first movie and yeah. the dad's sitting on the couch, that neck snapping scene. Yeah. I Kate think that was like the first up, time like, in, yeah. yeah. My first time in like movie watching a movie where something made me cringe to the point where it was like, I had, I could, I, I had to turn away. Cause it was like, yeah. this too real of a sound. They need to back it up with the sound design. Cause that was too <laughs> real. I thought he was actually dead. And he yeah. worked at a Burger King and I felt back because I was right. I think I was working at a Burger King at the time. And I was like, <laughs> man, dude was just trying to live his life. You know, I know. I know. What oh, is your man. your go to horror movie to get you in the in the spooky season mood? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I really do love that first paranormal activity. I'm also a huge fan of the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, but you know, in in the in the Nightmare on Elm Street versus Friday the Thirteenth gang wars, uh, I ride or die with Freddy. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I, again, I think it goes back to your earlier talk where it's like you know, Street Fighter, more time. It's like you know, like who you like, you know, hey, like which yeah. one you like. I, but... I really like the progression of Friday the Thirteenth, how it starts as his mom, and then it, even in two, like he doesn't have the hockey mask. Like I think that's a really cool progression. But Both, Nightmare on uh... Elm Street to me is so creative because it's like anything can happen in your dreams, right? Yeah both mk alumni oh that's true that's yeah. true both and guest characters Fred, freddie was in nine, nine and uh jason was in 10 and then right. yeah so it's been i mean i could sit here and chat to you all day but we all got shit to do <laughs> um <laughs> where can people find you yes so uh, definitely and your stuff yeah, definitely. Uh, these days, the easiest ways uh, at David L. Craddock on Twitter. I tweet about everything I'm working on there. Uh, also, davidlcraddock.com. If you're interested in Long Live Mortal Kombat, longlivemortalkombat.com. The book should be on uh, out on or around October 8th, which is the 30th anniversary of Mortal Kombat. Yes, it is. And that, yes. this episode will come out the probably the week before that. Nice. Okay. Um, so a week from this recording basically um and um where I'll, I'll put some links in the show notes and stuff and like that uh but best place to buy your stuff i know you have um, an amazon link on your website yeah but- just go to amazon look for david l craddock uh all my books are there a lot of them you can find in stores like mortal kombat long live mortal kombat will be in stores but you know everybody shops on amazon these days so i'm definitely there whether you like uh digital books print hardcover audiobooks you know just go to amazon when does the print for the kickstarter backers ship i'll be shipping <laughs> in early october okay yes awesome i know you had a bit of a snag with the printers here this week yeah i, I haven't announced it yet the the ultimate long live mortal Kombat edition will be delayed but that's because we're adding more to it so this gotcha. one i i had a publisher actually like amicably parted ways with them wanted to do my own thing and my wife uh and my sometime business partner is helping me with this she's going to be doing the layout to to the ultimate long live mortal Kombat book and she's got some really fun stuff planned. She's already started it, but we even went to um, Chicago for our 13th wedding anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Went to Gallup and Ghost Arcade. I met Doc Mack, who I interviewed for the book. Um, took a lot of pictures of his of his arcade, close-ups of cabinets and stuff. So that so plus cool. a lot of fan pictures uh, will be making their way into the book. So that's so cool. um, it'll be worth it. But you know, for the digital book, for the standard edition like paperback hardcovers, you'll be getting those uh, very soon awesome it has been an absolute delight oh it really has like i i've enjoyed it tremendously i'm glad i had a lot of fun i I appreciate you guys having me on 
we will definitely have you back if you're willing to come back. Absolutely. And next episode will be all about spaghetti. Uh, we won't talk bring about video recipe. games. Yeah, yeah, bring your recipes. You know, we got all got homework. I feel like we didn't talk about spaghetti. I've been wanting to talk about spaghetti. <laughs> okay, so next I'm, episode, hundred percent about spaghetti. Nothing yeah. else. I mean, spaghetti. I want yeah, a spaghetti episode. There you okay, go. maybe we'll. Okay, ninety-five percent spaghetti and five percent. We can talk about whatever you want to. So okay, perfect. I'm well, we can maybe shoot for around June or something next year because that would be the release of the documentary. FBS. That's right. It's true. So. If you're, you know, if you want to, if not, it's all good. I'm too. down, man. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> I'll definitely be back. All right. Thank you so much again. You're welcome. My pleasure, guys. Thanks.